Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reference show. My name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. And we are exhausted from a long weekend. I'm exhausted. I can't move. My legs don't bend properly. My eyes are almost glued shut with tiredness. Wow, that's pretty typical of you, though. All these things. All these, uh... Oh, you, Darren, give me that that look. Huh? Yep, yep, I'm giving you that look. <laughs> That's not funny, Perry. Get your jollies out now, there. Get your jollies, you jolly rancher. Hey. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Halloween on the brain. Yeah, there you go. Been Very- hanging out jolly ranchers to all the little uh, kiddies and kiddos. Oh, why do you hate children? Because those are gross. Uh, so we're very, <laughs> very tired from a long uh, weekend in, uh, Hogtown, as Darren often refers to it, Gainesville, Florida. Uh, we were at the fest all weekend. Uh, we obviously talk about the fest and fest wrestling a lot on the show to actually be there at this once a year, this annual punk paradise, uh, was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. It was pretty amazing. Right. It's one thing to see a fest wrestling show. Uh, you know, because they happen every couple months. Another thing for it to be like the the culmination of days of punk music, because Fest Wrestling, of course, born out of this fest. You know what I mean? So it was just very cool that the entire the entire city of Gainesville, or at least you know downtown Gainesville, was just infused with this punk rock energy. You can't go anywhere without some band fucking blasting sound out of a building. You know, everywhere you look, and it was just really cool. Really cool people around. Uh, a lot of beer, <laughs> a lot of beer around, and uh, yeah, man. For for I mean, for Saturday it was we did the live show, which if you tuned in to episode fifty eight, uh, hope you enjoyed it. If not, tune in, check it out. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, fifty eight was a live episode that we put out on Sunday morning because the last if you if you're, if you want to listen to another vanilla episode of us. Uh, 57 was the last vanilla episode. 58 was the Fest Wrestling, the live Fest uh, 16 special. Easily Neapolitan at this point. Yeah, it was it was quite good. Uh, quite good indeed. Uh, tasty. Uh, we had commentators uh, Max Gregg, Rich Bokini, and we had wrestlers Effie, uh, the Golden Boy Grabass, and uh, Matt Cross and Chuck Taylor uh, in our panel at Fest. And it was very cool. It was very cool. It was a really amazing treat for Perry and myself to have uh, that invitation to be a part of Fest from Tony Weinbender, uh, to have the opportunity to go on stage live at the Hippodrome in Gainesville. The building was amazing. The crew was amazing. Shout out to Jason and August for all of the wonderful assistance that we got in terms of our audio, uh, timing, uh, just 
Uh, altogether, uh, really welcome feeling there at the Hippodrome. Putting my mind at ease. Oh, for sure. I'm trying to think of all these technical things, like how do we play the music, how do we put the image up, and they're like, oh no, we do that. It's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, we got that. Look, there's the screen. It's perfect. All right, here's your audio. It's perfect. Here's a microphone. Go back there. We'll come get you. We'll tell you when it's <laughs> over with. Right. Uh, do your feet hurt? We'll rub them for you. Yeah. But the best part Thanks, of that, though, fellas. The best part of that is when they brought out the cooler of like beer and water, and I was like, I think you're in the wrong place. Like, they go out there. And they're like, No, this is for you and your guests. And I was like, Of course it is. Because I mean, yes, it's just another live podcast that we do. Um, anyway, Look at the superstars that we are, <laughs> and we are, we are. So that was a very cool day. That was a very cool experience. I gotta give gotta give the big love to all of our guests again, though. Absolutely, it was a real pleasure to. Uh, Pal around in a in a kind of fun fest <laughs> fest atmosphere, as well as in the professional capacity when you know the green light was on or the red light, if you will, and uh, to be able to work with Effie and Chuck Taylor and Matt Cross, Rich Bocchini and Max Gregg, and and get to be there in front of that live audience. I mean, and big ups to that live audience. Yeah, what a warm reception we got. A live audience that included Colt Cabana for uh, half our show. How amazing is that? I mean, this podcast does not exist without the Art of Wrestling podcast absolutely. by Colt Cabana. Yeah, he's a, None of them he's do. He's a trailblazer. I mean, he, absolutely. He is, by, he is, in fact, the trailblazer. I mean, he's the godfather of wrestling podcasts. And, right. and to have him sit in on our show and then congratulate us afterward and tell us what a great show. Yeah, super nice guy. That... Well, that meant the world to me. I mean, that was very cool. And he mentioned our show by name. Yes, he did. Whether he realized it or not during his show. Yeah, dear listeners, if you catch the live version from Fest of The Art of Wrestling, you will hear when Matt Cross stopped in again doing double duty on that day and talked to Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana mentioned the whole ref and show. And, I mean, it doesn't get much cooler than that. No, no, that was very cool of him to do. Very nice of him to do, and uh, yeah, appreciate Colt Cabana for that. We mentioned him, of course, during our podcast. So we hope that all of you, dear listeners, enjoyed episode 58. It was a extra special treat for Perry and myself. I hope that we're a part of Fest again next year. We certainly would be honored to be. Uh, a great atmosphere, amazing camaraderie, an amazing, just uh, uh, untouchable platform. And to have that audience there, I mean, it really amps up the intensity and really makes you feel great about what you're doing. Yes, it does. And we'll probably more officially do a, uh, like a Live at the Fest 16, like revisited, where we talk a bit more about kind of like that, I guess, what happened during that hour and our our thoughts and feelings on maybe some of the wrestlers' answers and, and stuff like that, too. So look forward to doing that. But on today's show... Uh, a bit of Fest. We certainly are going to be reviewing Fest Wrestling. We are family, which was just a dynamite show with a lot of people on it. A lot. A lot, a lot of different uh, wrestling organizations involved. Uh, Defy, uh, Freelance, Revolver, Ronin, Ronin, First Wrestling, pretty CZW, pretty stacked card. Um, and we can't wait to get into that. But also, we're talking. Uh, we got our, our headlines, of course, where we talk about. Uh, I guess arrivals and departures, really. Some people... <laughs> For sure this week. Some people let go. Some people uh, come back. 
Uh, but also uh, rumors about uh, WWE's WrestleMania. Not next WrestleMania, but next WrestleMania. Trying to find the host city for that. Yeah, a couple of big uh, announcements uh, in, in the works here for WWE. A couple of landmarks for them. Of course, there's always the WrestleMania announcement. And then a very special television landmark for Monday Night Raw. And we'll discuss that in the headlines as well. Well then, why wait, dear? Let's go ahead and sink our teeth into those delicious headlines. WWE cutting some talent loose recently. They cut them loose. They cut them loose. Um, sad, of course. Obviously, whenever someone loses their job, it's that's a that's a tough one, especially when it's someone leaving WWE because you're like, oh, that's. Like, where do I go from here? Because WWE is the top of the mountain, you know, financially, uh, globally. I mean, again, we WWE, there's no way around it. Uh, it's just, it's it's where you want to be. It, it, it really kind of is as far as like... It's the worldwide leader in sports <laughs> entertainment. It is. You know who's calling them that, don't you? <laughs> they are. They are. Every chance they get. So it's always tough when someone leaves WWE for whatever reason, but uh, not one, not two, but three people uh, cut loose. And apparently more to come. I mean, golly, it's just, it's no good. And it happens every year, at least once a year, and usually not only once a year. But in this case, we are sad to say goodbye, at least in terms of WWE, to Emma, Darren Young, and Summer Rae. Right. Now, Summer Rae has not been on TV in a long time. A long, long time. A long time. Has she been on Total Divas? Yeah, I don't don't know. She's not on Total Divas anymore. Okay. And last time she was on television, she was with Tyler Breeze when when he was still new, brand new to Raw, and they stuck her with him. Of course, after the whole Lana Rusev debacle, where her angle was killed by their real... Oh, good good job falling in love in real life, Lana and Rusev. You messed up our storyline. And, um... But yeah, after after that whole mess, and they briefly stuck Summer with Tyler Breeze, she suffered an injury. And, and really, all of these uh, individuals suffered injuries. And a lot of times, when you're on the shelf... They don't get rid of you then, but well, really, they look like bad if they do then. But like, it's sort of sort of like the clock starts ticking then, right? Like the the hourglass flips, right? And then the sand starts going in. It's like no, no, no! I better, I better, I better. See, you're bleeding from the face. So you brought up Summer Rae and how she hasn't been on television in a long time. Uh, she was a she she contributed a lot at one point. At one point, she was one of the stars of Total Divas. She was frequently on television. She wrestled in a lot of different angles, a lot of different matches. She was sort of like a a, a more important version of what Alicia Fox is currently. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, a team player, uh, a, a huge component in the scene. And so it, it's too bad to see her go. But I feel like most people, unless they're following it as closely as we do, are probably thinking... Oh, I didn't know Summer Rae was still in the WWE. Under contract, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, and that's just being fair. They don't, uh, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Darren Young, also a similar situation. I don't think he's been as off television as long as Summer was, but he's been off television for a while. 
I know he's been wrestling a lot of house shows. So if you if you keep up with the the WWE Live, if you follow that circuit, you probably have seen him wrestle. I know we did. We've seen him wrestle uh, at a WWE Live event since since the last time he was on television. The last time he was on television, what we really got was the whole Bob Backlund partnership. We thought that uh, it was going to play off of the Trump running for president. So there you go. Trump has been president for almost a year now. And we're talking about Darren Young's last gimmick being piggybacking Donald Trump's candidacy for president. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while. Emma, though? Emma? Not only is this, in my opinion, the worst decision of these three in terms of who to let go, it doesn't even really make sense. She was just on pay-per-view as the opponent for a debuting Asuka, and she held her own. She held her own so well that we actually complained about it. Yeah. We thought this should have been more of a squash. And had they known they were getting rid of Emma, probably would have been a squash. So that also leads you to wonder how snap of a decision was this to get rid of Emma? Or was this uh, in the planning? I don't think it was in the planning. Well, obviously I'm not happy with the, the idea to get rid of Emma. You know how I feel about Emma. I, she came back. You know, from when she was injured for a long time, and then she was Emmalina for a night. And said, <laughs> "I'm not doing." Basically, said, "I'm not doing this gimmick like on television." It was weird, um, which is really odd um, and bad. And she was doing. I mean, when she was showing up, she was doing some good stuff. She has a different look than all the other women wrestlers. She stands out. Um, I loved her music. They changed her fucking music. That's the weirdest thing too is they gave her new music. It's like, I bet the, the guy who made the music is like, oh, great, yeah, all right, <laughs> this music forever, and then she's gone. I'm going to hear it every Monday, because yeah. I am an excellent musician. Exactly, yeah, that's probably why they fired her. But, Damn it! Um, I mean, there's also, like, you know, word that, like, she just pissed off the writers so much, and all of her, her you know, complaining on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. That has been plain to see. We have been watching her social media assault against the WWE for a very long time. We have, and people should, I mean, if you're with the WWE, you have to be extra careful what you say on Twitter. Speaking of which, a new acquisition to WWE, Leo Rush... Uh, fresh off the indie scene, Leo Rush. Fresh out of Fest. Fresh, fresh out of CZW. Oh, yeah. Wrestle Circus. This guy was super fresh off of a, of a very, very hot, right. intense indie run. Made a reputation for himself and, you know, absolutely speeds into the Performance Center with his NXT contract on fire. Right. Uh, he he made it. He made a joke about uh, Emma's uh, losing her job and said, "I guess something along the lines of like, I guess this is what happens when you're not ready for Oscar." Uh, commenting on uh, Emma's uh, two matches she had with Oscar, one at TLC and then one of the following Raw. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's something he shouldn't have said. Yeah. It, first of all, uh, let me just say this. First of all, why say anything? Absolutely. Just, just why say anything? Right. Why say anything? No matter who you are, I mean that. I mean we're we're commenting on on it in a professional capacity. We're we are literally reporting the news. That's not what Leo Rush did. Right. Leo Rush tweets uh, a 
subjective response. I mean, why are you getting involved? You know, basically, who asked you? Right. So there's that. It is. It is. Then there's very the odd. yeah, and then there's the fact that clearly it's a joke. I mean, I don't know Leo Rush at all, but clearly it's a joke. As inappropriate and unprofessional and bad timing as it may be, it's not like he got on there and go and, and said, ha, 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 that's what you get. Right. I'm glad you lost your job. He didn't do anything that was like, <laughs> like inherently wrong or like mean-spirited. What he did was just kind of dumb. Yeah. It's, I mean, rookie mistake, I guess. I mean, he, yeah, just, just, just really dumb. He could say all day that you know, no, just I'm being a heel, I'm playing a part. It's like no, 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 no. you, you don't, you don't joke about a real situation on Twitter, exactly, unless you really don't like that person, and even then, you don't do it. I mean, but it actually makes sense if you do it, or if you really, really like that person, right? Let's say Emma was his wife, right, or his best friend, or his trainer, or his trainee. Then you use that intimate relationship to poke fun at them. As far as we know, these two people don't even know each other at all. I don't see how they could know. He's each speaking, other at all. yeah, and so therefore he's speaking entirely out of turn. Right. So that's what it comes down to. It's just, just carelessness. It was careless. It was, it was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. But there's been some pretty, some pretty big backlash on this. Way a, worse backlash. A lot of WWE talent, a lot of just wrestlers in general, kind of jumping on Leo Rush about it, like how, like you know, he, he shouldn't have said something like that uh, about the situation and everything, and and you know, it, it's d- deservingly so. You know, all these WWE people who actually know Emma pretty well, they're like, no, that's you don't fucking say that. Like, right? Listen, new kids, you don't say that. I think Bray Wyatt tweeted like. You won't last long with the wolves, kid, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it ranged. It yeah. was all negative, yeah. very negative. But it ranged from what seemed like maybe thinly veiled kayfabe threats right. to like really, uh, really upset, sort of intolerant, hateful, real life tweets. Yeah. To like even people, people not with the company. Yeah. Uh, just people came out of the woodwork to say, "Dude." Yeah. And then. Deservedly so, deservedly so. But uh, there was a petition, I mean, there are always petitions for all kinds oh, yeah. of stuff, of like, you know, Leo Rush should lose his job now because of it, and it, it, everyone everyone quickly pointed out, that's very ironic, that it's uh, he made fun of someone for losing their job, let's make him lose his job. Like, but you just said it was bad. That, um, yeah, whatever he did should in, in no way cost him his job. No, that no, is no, a no, ludicrous, no. ludicrous no. That, that, that's reaction. He, he needs to watch it for now on. This was baptism by fire. Here's what <laughs> happens if you say something stupid on social media. Yeah. People will well, Baptism it. by fire that he set. Right. That's that. He, he did tweet an apology, which, of course, that was also shit on. Especially by a true gentleman, Jack Gallagher, who, who made fun of the fact that he had to, have, he, he wasn't sorry, you know, about what he said, but sorry, he had to apologize. I forgot what he said. Oh, well, no. It, well, what he, what he said was and tantamount also, to the idea of people apologizing all the time uh, disingenuously. You're not apologizing for your actions. You're apologizing because you got caught. Exactly. You're, you're, you're sorry you got caught. You probably aren't that sorry that you did it. You'd probably do it again. Right. And, and made fun of, uh, I guess Leo Rush's grammar and the letter too. 
and said like something about English classes at, at the performance center. Very uh, nice. Anyway, so Leo Rush, he, he got his. He was, you know, he he publicly got humiliated basically by the WWE staff. Yeah. Um, and you know that's it. Big slap on the hand. He he should not do that again. He probably won't do that again. But he's a very talented wrestler, and he's he's got stuff going. He's, he's he'll be okay. Yeah, just 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 simmer down now, Leo. Simmer and just do your thing, man. Go wrestle in Crystal River, and you know, and and, and make the most of it, and just kind of just uh just keep keep your fingers off the Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So those are the people that are gone from the WWE. Unfortunately, there is a lot of talk that more cuts are coming it happens we're sorry we hate it it is a reality though wrestling is a business it's about making money and we're talking about a company that we talk about every week and we talk about the many many ways in which they misspend their money and how the roster is too big so while it sucks that someone may have to go looking for a job and their personal world is thrown into upheaval from a company perspective, it would probably be good if we had this kind of news to report every couple of weeks. They need to trim some fat for the sake of the company. But Emma wasn't fat. <laughs> Emma wasn't that fat you had to trim, uh, Darren. I, I agree. Samarate, sure. Oh, I forgot on. she wasn't on TV. <laughs> she wasn't doing anything. Yes, get rid of her, you know, Darren Young. They didn't really do a lot with them, I, so he didn't really get a chance I to understand. blossom. I completely but understand. Emma. Emma! What about all those British guys they have under contract no, no, that no, are no, doing no, no. nothing? Whatever. Emma! Emma! No, I'm I, I totally, I'm totally with you on Emma. Emma, okay. Emma needs to be in the WWE, and I hope maybe, possibly, she's young enough, she could end up there again one day. We'll just have to see if she decides to stay in wrestling. She obviously has a very lucrative and successful modeling career. No, she'll be fine. I mean, but if she ends up back but in Australia, who knows? She may never, ever see the WWE ring again. But you know who else we never thought? Mickey James. So, I didn't, anybody I, could. I never said out. I never thought. She didn't show up when I went, huh? Like, I didn't. <laughs> I never thought. First of all, anyone can come back. That's my point. There, there, there are people who have said horrible things about the company, and Vince McMahon has brought back. Bad for Emma. She'll be fine. She can probably get by on modeling money alone. But just as often as we report on departures, we must report on arrivals. And the subject of our headlines the last couple of weeks, boom, back on TV. There's Nia Jax. There she is on Raw. Yeah, it's like, oh, Nia Jax has returned. It's like, she's been gone for two weeks. Like, <laughs> she wasn't gone? Come on. Yeah, that that's the kind of uh, absence that should happen more often. Not right. just for Nia, but for anybody. Yeah, give them a couple weeks off. It'll help them, yeah. and it'll keep them a little bit fresh. But if they're only gone that short of time, why do you act like it's a big deal that they're back? Right. I mean, we're going to treat it a little bit like a big deal because we know the behind the scenes, which is, oh no, did she walk away? Did she walk out on her contract? Right. But as far as the casual viewer, they probably didn't even miss her in right. only two weeks. Well, that means the club is back like every... <laughs> <laughs> the club makes once a, a comeback like at least once a month. Yeah. 
Um, well, hey, there's Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, really. Where have they been? So, yes, Nia Jax made a, made a quote-unquote comeback. Moving on. Don't call it a comeback. No, I'm not, because it's not one. I won't. I okay, won't. good, good. Uh, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe There's actually, a comeback. There's a Actually comeback. has been absent for quite a while. Uh, he was injured. I forget how he was injured. It's been a while since we talked about Samoa Joe. Uh, welcome him back. Thank God Samoa Joe's yes. back. Yes. They, they needed to, to bring him back. And, um, and he got a very warm reception from the crowd, hell yeah. which he cooled off immediately by reminding them uh, that he was a heel. Right. He's, you know, when he said to the audience, it's clear that some of you missed me. Well, I'd like to make it clear that I didn't miss any of you. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's good. He's good. Gotta love it. Uh, someone who's actually been away for a very long time, say for a few random appearances here and there without really saying too much. Stephanie McMahon has been gone since yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah. Stephanie has been gone since WrestleMania. Um, I think the last time you saw her was actually on SmackDown when Kevin Owens headbutted uh, Vince McMahon. She was there and kind of stared down uh, Kevin Owens as he left, which is good. You needed that, you know, because I mean, Kevin Owens can threaten and actually physically, you know, fight Vince or Shane, but Stephanie is like, you know, Stephanie gets mad at you. It's like, well, I can't hate you. You're right, a girl. Right. And when is Vince going to get in that category? Never. Because Never. he's Vince. Because Vince won't allow uh, anyone to acknowledge that he might be vulnerable or weak. Well, all Dude, I'm... it's okay. It's okay, Vince. You're 72 years it's old. It's not okay. Darren, he's coming for us. <laughs> How old was Mae Young when fucking... Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley uh, no, powerbomb super like I stand corrected powerbombed him off the side of the stage dude and... that was so incredible I don't even know I, I can't even deal with that right. I can't even today twenty years later I can't mentally process right Bubba Ray Dudley powerbombing Mae Young off of the raw set mm-hmm. through tables that should have I mean literally. No exaggeration whatsoever. That should have killed that old lady. Right. How didn't it? She was tough as nails. No, she had to be. May was tough as nails, man. And also, I mean, uh, uh, classy Freddie Blassie would show up from now and again. Very old at that point, of course. Um, and he he would he wouldn't get physical abuse. He get he get verbal abuse. I believe Stephanie once said like. Like you're you're gonna die soon. To, oh my to god! <laughs> it's like that's mean. And he did. He died like two months later. I know. Stephanie killed him. <laughs> that's we shouldn't joke about that at all. Um, it's that's horrible. But so anyway, so there's all kinds of abuse you can get, whether it be physical or, or verbal. But next thing you know, we'll be making a joke about Dino Bravo. <laughs> Gotta go, gotta go. We, we never three out of four, three out of four episodes this month. We never talk about you know Rob on the show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so welcome back Samoa Joe, welcome back Stephanie McMahon, and oh hey Nia Jax, because um, you weren't fucking gone that long, and also you left for bullshit reasons like nope, don't want to. That's on par with like your boss going file these documents. No, I'm not happy. Leave for two weeks. Come back. All right, I filed your documents. Yeah, um, very George Costanza move. Yeah, very George Costanza. So a lot of uh, people coming back to Raw and just in time, Darren, because a very special anniversary is coming up on Raw. That's right. Stephanie, in her return, made it very clear that WWE is ramping up for their 25th anniversary show. It will be taking place in January of 2018 
And it's hard to believe here at the beginning of November that that's only two months away. 2018 is upon us. We are halfway to WrestleMania. Can you believe that? Yeah. Well, in January of 2018, WWE will be celebrating the 25th anniversary, quarter century of Monday Night Raw. And this episode will be coming to you from New York City. It's being advertised to uh, air from the Barclays Center, which is in Brooklyn, as well as the Manhattan Center, which, of course, was the original home of Monday Night Raw. Wait, it's going to be in two different places? Uh, that's the way they're advertising They're going to broadcast live from two different venues? Where'd they get that, that idea? <laughs> they probably stole it from us since our episode 50 was brought to you live in front of two different live audiences. Yeah, talk about Trailblazers. Yeah, man. Talk not about the, Clive Drexler. Not the Portland Trailblazers. Drexel? Drexler. Drexler. Yes! Oh, okay. And and Clyde, not Clive. Shit! But you're pretty close. <laughs> but he was the Glide, baby! He was the Glide! <laughs> Clyde the Glide! And, and Mookie Blaylock was... I think he was a, he was in the Hawks, wasn't he? Mookie Blaylock did not play for the Trailblazers. <sighs> Mookie Blaylock. You know that was the original name of Pearl Jam? I do. I That's kind of that, weird. Actually. Yes, I kind of wish they had stayed Mookie Blaylock. No, because they, because <laughs> because they're, they're kind of like I mean, they'd be like the Foo Fighters, where like Dave Dave Grohl said like if I knew our band was going to get this big, I wouldn't name us the fucking Foo Fighters. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It is funny. I love. By the way, I love that. And my all time favorite almost was their name. And if it had been, they would have never, ever been successful because Foo Fighters succeeded in spite of that name. Right. I feel like Pearl Jam would not have made it as Mookie Blaylock, although what the hell is Pearl Jam? Right. Uh, but the best all-time is my personal all-time favorite band, R.E.M., whose original name was Cans of Piss. Yeah, that one have made it. I'm pretty sure a band named Cans of Piss would have never signed with Warner Brothers and made a song called Shiny Happy People. That's exactly <laughs> the latest from Cans of Piss, Shiny Happy People. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, all Cans of Piss and Mookie Blaylock aside, they will be, they being the WWE, be broadcasting from two different locations, so it's being reported. And I think it's very cool. It would be, uh, in my opinion, much better to just have the show at the Manhattan Center. Like, okay, sorry, you didn't get to sell 17,000 tickets. You sold 1,500. Who cares? You know, I, I, I guess if if they're wanting, wanting it to be this huge celebration, well then, yeah, I guess you want more people there and you can use the opportunity to make more money. But I still think you got to do it. You got to have it at the Manhattan Center, have the whole thing there. Just run out the Rose Bowl and have, have a wrestling show at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, okay, yes, do that. But don't do it for your Raw 25th anniversary Why show. Why not? Why not? Because yeah, that, that's a big deal. Because the Rose Bowl has nothing to do with the 25th anniversary of Raw, whereas the Manhattan Center is the home of Raw. But, no, no, like no, no, I no, said, no, 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 no. if they're going to be putting on this big of a production, they obviously want to have the larger arena. And we know WWE has a great relationship with the Barclays Center, and it is a wonderful venue. I've been in it myself. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yes, I, I was lucky enough to see the first TakeOver Brooklyn there, as well as SummerSlam 2015, uh, and it was great, and Jon Stewart. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, and again, in terms of them putting on a big show, Raw is talking about bringing back The Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels, 
Kevin Nash are all already announced for the show. They will be on the Raw 25th anniversary show. Also talking about Bret Hart, Ric Flair, and Mick Foley. Are, are there being... no surprises anymore? No. Just say it's a big show with lots of surprise guests. Not going to happen. And let us be fucking surprised. No. I hate the social media. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Twitter Dear fucking listeners, world. Spoiler alert. Oh, next. Oh, tune in next week when Kane bursts out of the ring to attack The Undertaker. Yeah, I hate that shit. Tune in next week for the surprise return. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, However, I, I, I tell it. you, what has not been announced and what would be crazy is how are you going to have a Raw anniversary show and not have either Steve Austin or The Rock? Because if you take a look at the really, really early days of Raw, unfortunately, most of those people are sadly no longer with us. Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about wanting to have Heenan or Monsoon or Savage, I mean, these people just, they just aren't there. I mean, they're just, it's just not going to happen. So you look at when did Raw really, really become Raw? Austin, Rock, are they going to be there? Those would be huge surprises. It was a name you're not, you're not thinking of because you've been trained not to think of it, by the way. Hulk Hogan. Oh no, that's why I was going. I was going to Hulk Hogan. You didn't get there fast enough. That was my. That, see, that's because he's last. Because in my mind, all thermos penis video and all uh, inappropriate statements aside, and they are. We've talked about it on the show before. Inappropriate comments. Hulk Hogan is wrestling. All right, is Hulk Hogan the most identifiable name with Raw? No, but you're bringing all these other people back. I mean, how how raw is Kevin Nash? Not that, not that much. Don't cook them long enough. <laughs> but yes, I'd love to see Hulk Hogan. I guess the quote-unquote old-timers need to need to hit the gym hard for their, <laughs> for their medley of appearances. Get ready for Ron Simmons to say damn at some point. Uh, it'll happen. It will happen. happen. It will happen. But yes, as I mentioned, we're only six months away from WrestleMania. We know that WrestleMania 34, although there is no 34 on the symbol, it's just Fleur de Lis Part 2. We know that WrestleMania 34 is coming next April from New Orleans, but already WWE has announced that it has narrowed down the host city to three options for WrestleMania 35, which... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you've complained about this on the show a lot, where uh, where it's like they stopped numbering the WrestleManias and it said it's like the play symbol or just some bullshit that you hate. And I thought, like, it's only a matter of time before it's emojis. And it's like, oh, I, God. And, and it's only a matter of time before it's the eggplant with the wetness emojis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> WrestleMania fruit, E-Jack. <laughs> Eggplant's not fruit. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was awesome. But, <laughs> God, you're probably right. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you. oh, it's going to happen sooner than later. Maybe even for WrestleMania 35. Maybe oh. WrestleMania 35 is going to be eggplant wetness. <laughs> eggplant wetness. But it won't be 35. It will definitely either be Detroit, New York City, or Philadelphia. Yep. Now, all that means is that we have a long trip ahead of us to get there. Uh, we've been spoiled by WrestleMania in Atlanta, Miami, New Orleans, Orlando. Uh, the only one missed, of course, was... Way 
out on the Pacific Coast. Although, once you are back on the Pacific Coast, that might be in a much easier trip for you. All right. But these three are going to be hard to reach from California or Georgia, whether it's Detroit, NYC, or Philly. Um, personally, I, I have no business in Detroit, and I have no feelings or attachment to Detroit. I know it would be... Have you not uh, seen the Tim Allen narrated Detroit, Michigan commercials? I haven't. I haven't. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> come. You should come on down to Detroit. He <laughs> 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 makes the tool man Taylor. I hope he does. See, he doesn't. I think it would be great for Detroit. I don't know how great it would be for WWE. Uh, New York City or Philadelphia seem like no-brainers. It, 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 would, it would help Detroit out a lot if they did it there. But they're not going to do it there because that's that's not good enough for them. I don't know. We'll see. I I personally would like for it to be in New York. I love to visit New York, and uh, I I would totally be into visiting New York for WrestleMania. I think that would be super cool. There would be really really easy access to all of the goings on that week. Just subway. You know, that sort of thing. There's subways everywhere, Darren. Um, there's, there is a really great... There's not subways in Orlando there's... or Atlanta. At least not ones you want to take. I'm at restaurants. Um, oh, my God. There is a really great Olive Garden in Times Square, I will say. Are you kidding me? No. You went to New York City and ate at Olive Garden. I say it in, I say it in Manhattan. I say it in Manhattan. Like, basically two blocks away from Times Square for a week. Okay. And I ate at Olive Garden like five days in a row. What's that look? I don't understand. I, I'm i trying to set the record for the longest segment of dead air in the history <laughs> of the whole reference show. I'm sorry I didn't go to raise pizza every day. Jesus Christ. You're sorry. <laughs> not as sorry as Ray. Not as sorry as Ray. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, we need to change the subject because I'm a little, uh... Well, more about this. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, no. As a matter of fact, now I'm going to say, I hope that WrestleMania is not in New York City. Because if it is, and I'm in New York City, and I'm attending WrestleMania, and you're with me, and you say, hey, let's go to Olive Garden in Times Square... There will not be a podcast any longer. I will go to Olive Garden Times Square while you go to WrestleMania. <laughs> wow. God. I, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. Well, then what are you freaking out about? Um, nothing. As long as I don't have to go. I'll, uh... You don't have to go. Aww. Well, I'm not gonna. Darren's such a, a culinary wizard, everybody. No, no. That he That's... his his taste buds... It just they taste the blandness of the the quote unquote pasta at all. Uh, all I'm saying, listen, this is all I'm saying. From where we are currently sitting, right? I could throw a rock and hit an Olive Garden. It, it wasn't always that way, though. No, it wasn't always that way. Exactly. So, despite decades <laughs> of growing up in a small town and hoping for the wonders of the chain restaurants. And the delights of Olive Garden. I still have no desire to go there. There was a decade of, of talk here of like this might every time a building every time a building went down, it was always like could be an Olive Garden, could be an Olive Garden. <laughs> so we finally get an Olive Garden. And of course it's put next door, like next door to like one of the three Italian places in town. It's put right next door to one. You can tell the Olive Garden here is not good. 
because that fucking Italian restaurant is still there. If it's and always. thriving. And thriving. And, and like, <laughs> fuckers. Well, like, I mean, I get it. Hey, it's no Times Square Olive Garden, that's for sure. That This is very true. My point is, I'm trying to get Olive Garden's sponsorship on the show, and you are fucking us, Darren. <laughs> you are fucking us. Well, I'm trying to get a Fazoli's sponsorship. Well, Three I'm, breadsticks. Well, I'm trying to get some uh, Trojan condoms here, because you are fucking us. You are fucking us. <laughs> So hopefully Trojan will now uh, sponsor our show. Anywho. Um, Trojan So we'll see who gets the bid for WrestleMania. Yeah. WrestleMania eggplant uh, <laughs> eggplant wetness emoji. Eggplant wetness. <laughs> I look forward to it. Ugh. Should be good stuff. But uh, we get good stuff, Darren. I had me a, a good old time this weekend. I know you had yourself a good old time this weekend. I did. There you go. We were there at the to fest. To the detriment of my physical being. We were live at the fest. We were in attendance for Fest Wrestling. We are family. A show of shows for Fest Wrestling thus far. And uh, we're going to tell you all about it. Eight seconds in Gainesville, Florida was the place to be this past Sunday for Fest Wrestling's We Are Family PPV. <laughs> fun to say ppv it, it would be a ppv if it were a ppv well if you paid to view it, well we, i guess you do pay to view it well technically every show is a pay-per-view that's true literally pay-per-view if you pay and you watch it then right. every show is a pay-per-view right so fast wrestling's pay-per-view <laughs> we are family live from hogtown day three of the fest proper day five of fest Activities. That's right. After two days of pre-fest in Ybor City, outside of Tampa Bay, returned to North Central Florida for three insane days of hardcore, punk, alternative rock, amazing music festival, stand-up comedy, podcasting, we were there, hashtag we were there, and Fest Wrestling's We Are Family. What a killer, killer show that we were so lucky to be in attendance for. It was, it was. It was it's a huge card, it's a stacked card. Uh, multiple belts being defended on the card itself, which is new for Fest, because there's only technically one Fest Wrestling belt, and that's the, the you know championship belt, which Sue Young has. So seeing all these other belts uh, defended on the show kind of up the ante a little bit, you know? It's like, oh, I didn't send you down to Fest Wrestling to lose that belt, so you better wrestle good. I assume they're all like, you know, <laughs> all the promoters are like mean Southern men. You know, right, like, from the 1980s. You get down there and they're all sweaty. Um, they're all Ole Anderson. They are Ole Anderson. Um, but man, this this really was a great show. And it was packed, by the way, because it's not oh just your God. usual, uh, your fest t- attendees, which they certainly were there. We recognize half the audience by now. And here's here's one thing I hate about I hate about that audience at Fest. You, you ready for this, Darren? I love everything about that audience. Oh, oh, oh I, I do too. But here's what I hate: fucking say hi. We know <laughs> you. We know you. We follow half of you on Twitter. You follow half of us on Twitter. You follow Instagram. half of us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, uh, if I if I run the Twitter, then you follow just me. And then you follow the other half of us on Instagram. But the point is, we know each other. I know you. You know me. You know that I know you. You know that I know that you know me. You know, whatever. Say hi. 
Come on, we're people. Yeah. Stop <laughs> eye fucking me and oh just say my hello. God, I got I molested a bunch of bunch of punk Harvey Weinstein's <laughs> giving me the, the look up and down. Just say hi. I appreciate the people who came and say hi. Say hi. Don't feel embarrassed. We 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 know you. And you know what? I'm guilty of it too. There were people that was just like, I I know them. We like each other's posts, but eh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Anywho. So uh yeah, folks, next time j- just say hi, you know? Just say hi. So yeah, so there were the usual fest people, but there's also all these people who were just attending the fest itself, which is still going on at this point. People coming in and out, you know, from seeing other uh, punk bands playing, which they're still playing all over downtown Gainesville. So this place is probably, let's say, legally beyond capacity at this point. Oh, it absolutely had to be. Any fire marshal walking by would have been like, huh? Um, <laughs> so, so luckily, the fire marshals didn't come by because that place was full. But you know what? I got to the front row first, and I'm sorry I weigh a thousand pounds, and I'm six foot four, but I'm not fucking moving. Um, so anyway. I'm sorry I am equally as big and <laughs> and standing shoulder to shoulder with you. You and me are standing shoulder to shoulder, and we're we're basically you know hi, we're basically the same height as Rich Bokini and Max Gregg, who are, <laughs> who are, who are sitting on a platform. Uh, so basically, we formed a wall so people couldn't see anything. But you know what? We were there first, and Rich and Max have to sit there. Uh, anyway, so let's get into this show. Let's yeah, get into yeah, this yeah, awesome yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. But for those who had to stand behind us, I apologize, but you could have stood anywhere else. Literally anywhere else. Anyway, uh, and man, does this thing this thing start off with a bang? Because the very first match we get is the PBR Wildman Cup. <laughs> oh, man. PBR Wildman Cup uh, has only happened once so far at Fest Wrestling. The first person to win it was... Our good friend Effie. That's right. Effie won the PBR Wildman Cup last year. And this year, oh, who's going to win? Who's going to win? There's going to be some familiar faces from last year's PBR Wildman Cup and some brand new faces. A lot of brand new faces. Some people I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, so I'm going to go basically what a PBR Wildman Cup is. It's a basically, it's a, it's about a royal, I guess. Um, it's kind of like Royal Rumble rules. Basically. Well, especially this year, they changed the rules. Yeah. So whoever goes over the top rope that, that eliminates you. Um, but basically they, they did it, they staggered it. Right. The, the very first Wild Man Cup, everyone's just in the ring together. Traditional battle royal. Which I hate because no one can fucking move. It's just everyone punching at each other. But anyway, it's, it's, it's a staggered, uh, battle royal. Four men began this, uh, this fight. Uh, but then every 60 seconds, someone new would come out. It was good. It really, really worked. I think it was a not... I, I prefer the Royal Rumble in WWE to all other Battle Royals. Right. So any type of Battle Royal that is more Royal Rumble style is okay in my book. Right. And you have to all but <laughs> not say Royal Rumble because that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And say like, no, no, this is something very different. Obviously 60 seconds because any longer than that, this match is going to be twice as long. <sighs> Yeah. And when you have over 15 people competing, it can uh, it can be a bit a uh, bit much. So the first four people that start this thing off, Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model and friend of the show. That's right. Teddy Stigma starts it off. Very cool to see Teddy in action. Unfortunately, the other three people who join him are awakened. Of course. Leon Scott, Vandal, and Wolf Taylor. What kind of piss-poor luck of the draw I know. is that? How is that even possible? I don't know. So it's it's a little rough. I'm going to, uh, folks, I'm going to, because there are so many people, 
and I only watched this thing happen in front of my face once, and I, I tried very hard to keep track of who's coming in, who was going out, and who threw them out, so, because I took some serious-ass notes at this show, but... I mean, I'm thanking him, dear listeners. I already I got him a trophy. <laughs> got me a PBR Wildman trophy of yeah. my own. Uh, so the first four, again, uh, Teddy Sigma, Leon Scott, Vandal, and Wolf Taylor. And I'm going to name all the people who, who joined them uh, in order, by the way. Uh, then comes out Beastly. Beastly comes out. Rhett Giddens, the freak Rhett Giddens, comes out. Drennan uh, joins them. Zicky Dice, who oh. spends a very, very, very good amount of time out of the ring. Uh, as he did at the first PBR Wildman Cup. Drennan didn't spend enough time out of the ring. I want to hear that music every time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Leva Bates joins them. That's right. Some of you may know her as Blue Pants. Indeed. Some of you may know her as the cosplay queen. One thing that a lot of people weren't talking about, I'm sure that Rich and Max probably mentioned on commentary, which you can see on YouTube once uh, the show hits YouTube, but one thing that didn't seem to be circulating... Uh, and the crowd was, uh, the people forgot at the last show, Leva Bates earned basically a one-up, an extra life uh, by virtue of her victory at the last fest show. So if and when she were thrown out of this uh, battle royal, she was allowed to get back in. Right, which something you had to mention to me when Leva does eventually get eliminated and you were like, oh, don't oh, worry. Oh, she'll be back, she'll be back. And I was like, oh, yeah. But to my credit, I actually missed the last That's show. That's true. Um, so uh, after her was someone whose last name needs some work, uh, Milo Beasley. <laughs> uh, oh, that's Darren's last name, isn't it? Oh, man. Um, after him was uh, actually, oh, one thing we forgot to mention, we should have mentioned at the beginning of all this, was the special ring announcer for this was Chris Gethart. That's right. Chris uh, Gethart, who uh, did his podcast, uh, actually when we did our podcast on on the same day at the same show at the fest, they brought him in to uh, to announce everyone who was coming in, which is very cool to have him involved because he was really involved in the, the weekend. And, yeah. Um, he did a couple shows, actually, at the fest. Very talented guy, big name. He's definitely uh, uh, an established entertainer. And a good fan base and a super sweet guy. Very, very nice guy. He was he was nice to us, so you leave him alone. <laughs> but this is definitely one of his people. Uh, Jason Vacation or Vacation Jason? I, I forget I think which it, I think it's Vacation Jason. I, okay, you say that. I think he's basically the heel version of Chris Gethard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so he shows up in the, uh, in the PBR Wild Men Which Cup. was pretty damn funny. Next was Vegan Superman. <laughs> Or who, was it? Who, who, who was eliminated immediately when he did not show up. But it was hilarious when he was announced and Teddy Stigma immediately <laughs> looks over at Rich Bocchini and, and Chris Gethard is like, no, 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 next, next, next. He's not here, he's, he's not, not here. here. He's not here, That was really funny. Uh, way to go, Teddy, for being on top of that one. Uh, following the... I'm the, glad Teddy, I'm glad Teddy Stigma... <laughs> Is the one who, who's going to be in charge of that. The guy who's swilling uh, whiskey and uh, making everyone in the audience drink whiskey. He's, he's the, the voice of reason. Yeah, exactly. He's the only one out of 2,000 people oh, who's man. paying attention. That is hilarious. Uh, but uh, almost as hilarious as the next guy that comes out. The abominable CPA. Holy shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Top five moments. Top five moments of Fest Wrestling We Are Family. Is the abominable CBA. I laughed so fucking hard 
Because, and this is apparently a legit wrestler. He has a Twitter, which I immediately followed him on Twitter because his music, which is that like cheesy game show music, his demeanor of getting into the ring, and just everything he did in the ring was just perfect. It was so well done. So, Abominable CPA, like you're my new favorite wrestler. Sorry, Shinsuke Nakamura, <sighs> who works very hard and has traveled the world. Abominable CPA, he's my guy now. I'm telling you, his his simple. Simply his being there right. is in my top five best wrestling we are family moments. There were, the and there are lots of great moments too, but he was definitely one of them. Uh, after him was the Haitian sensation. Uh, <laughs> he was a very interesting character. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fun. A, a lot of fun. Uh, Hunk Cassidy, uh, who people refer to as the chief of beef. That's right. He was also in this thing. A lot of people referred to him as that. A full blown champ broke out. Right. I think it was in the back of his. Uh, it's in the back of his uh, his getup. Said it, Chief of Beef. He also participated in last year's PBR yeah, Wild Man yeah. Cup, but I don't believe he's been back since then. Oh, well, so we... welcome back, Chief of Beef. Absolutely. And then uh, Randy Savage was announced, and it turned out to be one of the guitar players from the band. The Randy Savages. That's right. I believe it's Nikki Savage. Yes. He's the one who went off the top rope uh, the last time the Randy Savages performed at Fest Wrestling. Which he does again. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And the final person to come out, when you hear Inner Sandman, like, oh shit, did they get Jim Fullington to Fest Wrestling? No. No, but for a second there, you hear that music. Oh, yeah. In a live wrestling setting, you're already like... Ramped up, you know, you're like starting to salivate, you know, you have uh, rabies or whatever. <laughs> yes, you have wrestle rabies. I have wrestle rabies. Right, but all... Hashtag wrestle rabies. All of a sudden, second floor, you could see Leva Bates back as the Sandman. As Darren said earlier, she gets to come back because she won the match from the last show. Uh, so her one-up <laughs> is used up and she comes back as the Sandman. Inner Sandman's blasting, everyone singing along, which I turn to you and say, like, it's funny because all these punks know the words to Inner Sandman. Um, and you said, well, they also knew the words to Joey Ryan's song. Uh, <laughs> they, they also know all the words to <laughs> if you like pina coladas. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Leva Bates with her ECW sleeveless shirt. Oh, She's yeah. got the barbed wire tattoo drawn on her arm. She's got the kendo stick. She is. She's got the cigarette, which becomes wet and limp, but never leaves her mouth. Absolutely. She's smashing beer cans on her head. There's beer everywhere. I, I turned to you and said, if she gets near me with one of those beers, I'm getting completely douched with PBR. <laughs> it didn't happen, so I stayed dry. Yes. Boo. So, here's the order of elimination, uh, quickly, because we've been on this match for a long time. There's a lot of people in this match, though. Uh, Leva Bates was thrown out the first time by Drennan. Then Vacation Jason, or Jason Vacation, got thrown out by Rhett Giddens. Randy Savage, or Nikki Savage, uh, got thrown out by Leva Bates Sandman. Uh, the Abominable CPA goes out because of the Sandman as well. <laughs> Which, by the way, when Leon Scott... Leon Scott interaction with... Um, with uh, the Bumble CPA, when he grabs his tie, oh, he, he grabs God. CPA's tie and like to try to like pull him with it, and it comes off because it's a clip on. And then he turns around, and, and CPA has another clip on tie that he puts on. Oh, it's beautiful. That was amazing. That was great. Um, and, and of course it was Leon Scott. Of course, that was beautiful. The ultimate like 
you better take this fucking guy seriously. Beautiful, guy. beautiful, beautiful. Um, then Haitian Sensation got thrown out by Teddy Stigma. Hunt Cassidy, Milo Beasley. I, I, I look down to write down that Haitian Sensation has gone out, and, uh, and they're both on the outside, so I don't know how they got eliminated. Toast! Um, they got thrown out. Uh, Drennan uh, gets taken out by Sandman, so Leva Bates gets a bit of, uh, gets a bit of revenge there. Uh, and then Sandman gets a triple power bombed by Awaken. Uh, and then thrown out by Vandal, I believe. That was hardcore. It was hardcore. She's hardcore. She's hardcore. And then all of a sudden, Awaken starts taking charge. They eliminate Zicky Dice. They eliminate Rhett Giddens. Uh, the cool thing about this, though, is they go to eliminate Teddy Stigma, who, by the way, is my favorite the whole way. He's the first one in. You know, he, he overcomes... Teddy Stigma's always your favorite. He's Yeah, I like Teddy Stigma, but he's first one in. He's overcoming these impossible odds in the very beginning. He's still around... Uh, Awaken tries to throw Stigma out, but Rhett Giddens, who just got thrown out, catches Stigma and throws him back into the ring again. Oh, that was a killer spot. I thought that was a nice spot. Um, But uh, Stigma brings out a a sack full of uh, bottle caps. Woo! And he's like, I'm going to put someone into these, but unfortunately, Awaken decided to put Stigma into those, and they they triple powerbomb him. And uh, Vandal and Wolf Taylor, uh, I think, throw out uh, Stigma. And you could probably, in the videotape, you'll audibly hear me say, No! Because uh, I told you the whole way, like, I think Stigma's got this. And uh, also, you may have noticed that the, the first five people who started this whole thing are still in the ring. And you also may have noticed Wolf Taylor catches quite a shiner. Yeah. At some point, somebody wallops old dude in the the eye socket. And man, he was sporting quite a shiner after that. He gets a wallop. Um, but, uh, so Stigma goes out, Beastly, uh, take out Vandal and Wolf Taylor. Double clothesline sends him over the top rope. All of a sudden, it's down to Beastly and Leon Scott, and it doesn't take long for Leon Scott to, to go for that running clothesline on, uh, Beastly, but Beastly ducks it and tucks down that, uh, top rope, and Leon Scott goes right over. He goes, a topsy-turvy tumble for Leon. He's a big, dumb animal, isn't he, folks? And Beasley wins the PBR Wildman Cup. Very nice, which means we heard, what, two Metallica songs, right? That's right. That's great. And it, <laughs> we also learned that in addition to the beautiful PBR trophy and the notoriety that comes along with winning this match in and of itself... The winner also gains a title shot yes. against Sue Young or Chuck Taylor, whoever ends the night with the Fest Championship. We know who it is. We'll never tell. Um, so yeah, so really, really fun match. Really cool to see all the people involved. Cool to sing Enter Sandman out loud with a bunch of people in a, a wrestling setting. Leave a base did a great job as Sandman. And, uh, you know, here Beastly's uh, Metal Militia by Metallica was always, it's always a good thing. Uh, so yeah, this is P-Bear Wildman Cup moving on to the Duck House Brawl. What's a Duck House Brawl? Uh, it's basically a, a, a street fight that involves uh, duck-themed uh, props. Right, right. Uh, or so it, so it seems. So all the wrestlers, of course, anytime it is a something house brawl. Like, perhaps a bunkhouse brawl. Right. But in this case, a duck house brawl. The first thing you have to do is you have to wear jeans. Well. All denim. Well, that, that's that's a cool thing is because uh, the, the ducks come out in what seem like jeans, 
But I'm pretty sure it's the spandex that's made to look like jeans. Oh, absolutely. If not, those are some tight-ass jeans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On Rob Killjoy. Rob Killjoy. Rob Killjoy is most definitely wearing the jeggings. Yeah, he's wearing those. Uh, the, those. He wears them well. He wears them well. Um, also, I love that uh, uh, the Gymnasty Boys, uh, because by the way, this is the Ugly Ducklings, uh, Rob Killjoy and Lance Liu taking on the Gymnasty Boys, White Mike and Timmy Lou Retton. Uh, Timmy Lou Retton uh, sometimes wears that American Gladiators uh, singlet, but he's got the jeans on underneath <laughs> and the singlet still on. That cannot be comfortable. No, that had to be horrible, but that was hilarious. Because I know that when I have a lot of denim around my crotch, I what I think, <laughs> what I'm thinking in my mind is, I'd like this to be a lot tighter. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to wear something that makes me uncomfortable, and I want to go be athletic in it. Um, so yeah, White Mike's wearing a jersey and jeans. And if anybody is athletic, damn, if it ain't Timmy Lou Retton, he is. He is. De- <laughs> sounds horrible. He is deceptively athletic. Yeah. Because, again, you look at him and think, like, ah, kind of a big guy, but, but whoa, man, I've seen this guy pull off some feats of athleticism that will razzle and dazzle. Um, but anyway, this match is awesome. And there's something, ab- <laughs> there's something about this match that makes it very dark. And I mean that literally because one of the lights isn't quite on um, that should be on. So it, it is a bit darker. But it almost adds to the feeling of the match because it did. It when, did. when these two teams uh, are involved, it's like there's like a silliness that they, they both have. But something about this match was like personal and like, 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 you know, Killjoy and Lude aren't doing funny things. You know, they come out with with Coach Mikey. Coach Mikey's wearing that like that that costume that makes him look like he's a. Uh, Riding a He's duck riding, or something? Yeah, riding like a, a duck floaty or something like that. I can't I remember what it was, uh, which is hilarious, by the way. But, like, it, there, there's, like, <laughs> there's a... there's the, the demeanor of the ducks is, like, very serious. Beyond Coach Mikey, of course, being absurd. Because they're like, like, this is it. Like, you know, Gymnasty Boys are our fucking rivals. And we're about to go to war. And they go to war. That, you're right. There was this, this element of war to this. Yeah. Like... Let's put this shit to bed, fellas. Absolutely. Like, we are tired, and we are tired of fighting each other. And even Mikey, as hilarious as Coach Mikey is, there were some really dark moments here where he got pissed. Yeah. And got super serious. And also, there is that extra nasty element. There is something... That gym nasty element. It is. To White Mike. Yeah. There is something sinister Right underneath his like silliness, right? As because he as silly as he is, and he is. I mean, he at one point he said that some during this match he said that someone grabbed his dingaling. So obviously there is an incredible amount of silliness here. Something dark lurks right under the surface of White Mike. I mean, I, I think that could be a character. He's a Stephen uh, King character, isn't he? Is okay. There you go. He uh, is there because oh man, there's so much on the surface, and then there's something extra right, right underneath that little mustache. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, typically, Rutten though, he's just having a good time. He's just hanging out. No. Well, you know, he's just kicking ass alongside White Mike. He's here to party. Absolutely. And this uh, this thing starts off, and it's a it's a brawl immediately. Lots and lots of cool spots in this fucking match. Um, they do the launch pad, which is where uh, 
where Killjoy does the uh, monkey flip to Lance Lude, and Lance Lude goes sailing into whoever's in the uh, the corner. Only, I think, White Mike is there, maybe, but he moves just in time for Lude to get thrown into the ladder in the corner. Yeah, party, man, that's which looks painful. hell of a smack on right. the ladder. And, and again, what makes this a Duck House brawl is it's not a straight-up wrestling match. It's all these props, all these ladders, and... And uh, baking sheets and, uh, and rubber duckies. Uh, yes, and, and uh, wiffle ball bats that have rubber duckies glued to them. Absolutely, because Timberly Retton grabs a cooler that the ducks brought, and he's like, whatever this is, it's mine, and dumps it out, and it's full of rubber duckies. <laughs> it's full of rubber duckies, and it's, it's great because he's, he starts to punch Killjoy, like to make Killjoy kind of fall back into him, but Killjoy's like, whoa, whoa, like you think they were like thumbtacks or something. I thought that was hilarious, but ultimately... Brilliant spot. It was great. But ultimately, he suplexes Timmy Loretton into the ducks, and of course, Timmy Loretton sells the shit out of it. That probably wouldn't feel good, right? Yeah, but it's not like it's barbed wire or thumbtacks or... You don't know what's inside C4 those C4 Well, maybe. If it were FMW, they may be exploding ducks. That's true. Uh, all this is going on while on the outside, White Mike and Lance Lude are going at it, and the crowd kind of clears a space, and it's like, what's going on? And you notice that White Mike is doing the can opener to uh, Lance Lude, of course, that spinning, that aeroplane DDT that he does uh, so well. And eventually, Killjoy grabs, like, I think it's like a black pumpkin, like the little, like, a trick-or-treating pumpkin yeah, container. Yeah, yeah. And Coach Mikey's like, no, no, like... Uh, no more ducks! No more ducks! No, more, no ducks. more ducks! And Killjoy flips it over and it's full of thumbtacks. And oh, it's like, oh, no! Here he comes. There's that dark element that, you, <laughs> yeah. that you mentioned. Yeah, it's like, playtime's over. Time for someone to die. Yeah. In which case, Killjoy actually has uh, White Mike up on the top rope. And he superplexes White Mike oh, onto my. the thumbtacks. So White Mike goes into the thumbtacks, which means... Rob Killjoy also goes into thumbtacks oh, yeah. because you can't avoid that. It's a that. superplex. Yeah, absolutely. You're both basically getting the thumbtacks. Oh, gnarly. But the match doesn't end there because the Ducks want some revenge on the Gymnasty Boys. And they remember what happened. They, they, they know what happened with the door. Oh, yeah. Mikey reminds everyone within uh, shouting distance that let's end this the way it started. <laughs> So they grab a door from under the ring. It gets set up between two chairs. Killjoy puts Timothy Retton up on his shoulders. Lude comes off that top rope. Uh, landing shoulders first onto Timothy Retton's shoulders. Guiding him right down into that door. It's a brilliant tag team maneuver. Reminiscent of the Doomsday device. Maybe a Duck's Day device. We, we don't know. Something like that. Something like that. And uh, that's it. Timothy Retton's down for the count. One, two, three. The Ducks win. They they put that to they put that to rest. Quack, quack. Oh yeah, quack. It was quack. It was definitely uh, something different. Like I mean, is is as much as we've seen the Ducks the last few shows, like this was just a a different side of the Ducks, a dark side of the Ducks. It was not only because we see them in their sort of street fight gear, their street fight mentality. We see the thumbtacks and uh all the other foreign objects but it's not uh, like tag team mayhem it's not two on two on two it's not four corners it's not all high flying this is a brawl this is a knockdown drag out street fight kind of match right and it's one team against another team 
who definitively despise one another. Right. And so it does. It has that element of settling the score, which was a really cool way to complete part one of four of Fest Wrestling's We Are Family. Right. And, you know, hashtag wrestle forever because these guys make great rivals and they make really good matches. Oh, I am such a big, big fan of the Gymnasty Boys and the Ugly Ducklings. And I could watch them fight forever. And uh, But it is the end of the first segment. This uh, Fest Wrestling show, as a part of The Fest 16, is separated into four blocks of wrestling, separated by three musical performances. Right. The and first of those performances being one of our favorite punk bands, the Randy Savages. Oh, yeah! Man. Ooh, yeah. Dig it. Ooh, yeah. Dig it. Be a man, Hulk. <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be scared. I love the Randy Savages. I, I This is basically the exact same set we saw them perform the last time they were at Fest, and I would have it no other way. Hashtag play forever. <laughs> I cannot get enough of the ooh, yeah, dig it. So, a pleasure to see these guys. We already saw Nikki Savage come off the top rope in the Battle Royal. Now we're seeing them, uh, you know, play their asses off, making the loudest, raucous, raddest noises in Gainesville, Florida at the fest. So, you know they're happy to be there. I'm, I'm happy to see them in all of their Randy Savage gear and all their Randy Savage glory. And uh, that begins the uh, second part, <laughs> part two of the night. Uh, and we begin with a uh, six-person tag. Trish Adora, who tags up with Savannah Evans and another Fest favorite, Aria Blake, who we've seen at quite a few Fest shows. They take on Priscilla Kelly, Camilla Kane, and Jamie Senegal. So this is cool. This is a nice match. And already Trish Adora, we, we kind of point out to each other immediately, like, oh, hey, she's she's flushing out her, her gear a bit better. Like, she's got... A bit more personality now in the in the, in the gear. She's gimmicking it up. And She's gimmicking it up. Nothing wrong with that. And nothing wrong with that. Also, uh, Priscilla Kelly is is completely. She's ready for Halloween because she is basically a painted skeleton. Yeah. Uh, much like the the bad guys from Karate Kid. It, it's a really it's a really nice assortment of talent. It is a nice assortment of talent. A lot of things to look at. A lot of things to absorb. Let's gonna see. Uh, let's see who's gonna. Team well, who's going to baby it up here? Who's going to heal it up? And obviously, Jamie Senegal is one of, you know, Daddy's Little Monsters. Has a whole Harley Quinn thing going on. And, and, and that's, uh, that's, that's, a nice, that's a nice look. And uh, like we said, Priscilla Kelly, Living Dead Girl. And we've, you know, the audience loves Aria Blake. I mean, she's a fest regular, but they are loving her. And, uh, you know, just all these people... And it felt like a fight. Like I said, you you wonder who's going to baby it up, who's going to heal it up. Nobody works the outside of the ropes in a tag team match the way Priscilla Kelly does. She definitely does. Every movement of her body and every twitch of her face is telling a story. You know how I compliment Kevin Owens on the show a lot for that. That's what Priscilla Kelly is doing. She is feeling every punch that her tag team mate is taking in that ring 
And uh, I mean, I can't say enough because and she's she's climbing the ropes for the tag and and like getting involved. It's and really good stuff. Getting getting Frank Gastineau, the referee's attention mm-hmm. by like like writhing basically and just like she, she sexes it up quite she, a bit. She, yeah, that, that's part of who she is, sexing it up and all. She's with Dixon, but uh, yeah, but the, the action of the match is great. Arya Blake does a splash to the outside on everybody, uh, which turns out really well. Priscilla Kelly answers with a splash from. A barrel, question mark, is what I have, because I can't tell what she's standing on because it's on the other side of the ring, but all of a sudden she's taller than anyone in the crowd, and she just dives onto everybody. <laughs> um, so that was very cool. Uh, Camilla Kane slams Trisha Dora's face into the top turnbuckle, and Chris and Priscilla Kelly's up in the top turnbuckle sitting there like... <laughs> like, like... <laughs> I don't know how to explain this... But it, but it's like you know it's like it's uh, it it is it is, it is what you don't are seeing. Say it. I was about to say it's so risque. Uh, all I can say is it's like she's slamming her head into the nether realm, right? Right. Uh, and Priscilla is loving every minute of it, right? Like uh, I said, way over sexing it. You know, I mean, it's the tour character is it's awesome. It works, and I haven't seen that before. I mean, no, probably good that I haven't seen that before on like Raw or <laughs> yeah. something like that. It's but not TV uh, fourteen, that's for sure. Priscilla Kelly is a is an experience you want to you want to see live. Uh, it's she's she, she's interesting. So Trisha Dora doesn't like that, but Trisha Dora answers with a thunderous body slam on Priscilla Kelly, so she she gets some revenge on Priscilla. Um, and then uh, Jamie Senegal gets involved. And uh, starts fighting with Savannah Evans. They go at it for a bit. And uh, Jamie Senegal unleashes this, like, flurry of kicks, which ends with, like, this really awesome roundhouse kick. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Some of the best offense, like, straight up. Straight up Booker T kicks. Like, right. And and the the fact it was, like, you know, like a great. video game combo almost. Yeah, yeah. It was really well executed. Very, very well done. Arya Blake jumps in and, and mixes it up with uh, Senegal. Arya Blake hits this really awesome tornado DDT and and just, just plants Senegal's head right into the canvas. It is a top-notch plant the, for the, a DDT. The whole exchange there is just perfect. The the give and the take are just textbook. Perfect. Well done. Oh yeah, including uh, Jamie's face after right, after yeah. receiving the move. Amazing implant and then flip and then sitting up as if completely uh, shocked and and even like delirious. Yeah, my notes are like Arya Blake hits Senegal with awesome tornado DDT that Senegal sells the shit out of, <laughs> uh, which is, to- is totally accurate. Uh, eventually, though, Savannah Evans gets the pin on Priscilla Kelly, uh, and uh, again, great match. It was hard to tell who like who to root for, like as far as like good guy, bad guy, because everyone seemed a little heel-y, um, which is fine, but at the same time, it's kind of like. Tell me what I'm supposed to do, Fest Wrestling. Um, but everyone kind of leaves after the match, except Priscilla Kelly, who's the last one there. And then, like, she slowly leaves, and people clap for her. And it was like, is she retiring? Like, I've seen, <laughs> I've, I've seen this happen on, you know, on WWE so much lately with John Cena and Nikki James. It was like, is Priscilla Kelly potentially retiring right now? Uh, unlikely. Um, but anyway. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> so, Trisha Dora... Savannah Evans and Aria Blake, they are your winners for that match. Moving on to Freelance versus Fest Wrestling. 
as uh, CD Fierce, who is your freelance world champion, takes on our boy Effie. Our boy Effie. Our man from Tallahassee, Florida. Tallahassee. The weapon of sass destruction, man. The golden boy of grab ass. The feminist icon. He is indeed, and... He puts uh, he puts old CD Fierce through the ringer in this match. Yeah, he puts asses in seats, or, or he puts feet on hardwood. That's right. So there there are no seats at Fest Wrestling. Is what exactly say here. Yeah, okay. he put he puts he puts punkers behind floor tape. Right. <laughs> uh, that's that's very accurate. Um, but so Effie Effie obviously very happy to one have a title match and two to have like a regular match after all of his battles with Leon Scott. Have some sort of gimmick, you know, fans bring the party, bring the weapons, dog collars. So this is a straight up wrestling match. And uh, F, that's exactly what Effie wants because he wants TV Fierce to try and wrestle him. And he even, oh, it's fantastic. You know, Effie goes into that prone position where he's on his hands and knees. And he wants TV Fierce to come and try to try to tackle him to the ground, try to, you know, pin him. Greco-Roman, baby. He's going back to the basics. That's right. And, uh, of course, C.B. Fierce a little apprehensive, you know, for several reasons. It could be could be a trick of Effie's, or, you know, maybe he's afraid Effie might try to pull something, it seems. A little bit of the, the I don't know, I heard this guy likes guys going on with C.B. Fierce, but I love but that. Do you know who doesn't like guys? Do you know who doesn't like the guy named Stevie Fierce? Effie? This crowd. Oh, man. And it's not uh, an indictment of his talent or lack thereof. Just, he's not Effie. Yeah, exactly. Man, he is booed out of the building for simply being Effie's opponent. And it's amazing. On that note, someone who's cheering for Effie is the guy who cheered against Effie because he was such an Awakened fan. (laughs) And now he's saying, go Effie, and it made my head hurt. Well, there's something to be said for a homer. Right. Yeah. Sure. And and that's what it was. I mean, that I could read that like a book, which is, well, I might not like Effie, but he's my Effie. But God damn it, I respect. And then that, that's the thing too is the guy was was maybe more so than cheering for Effie, cheering for Fest Wrestling. Right. Exactly. And then because this seemed and kind that's of cool. That's so cool. This seemed kind of invasion e. It did like a word that's being used way too much uh, lately. Hashtag under siege. Hashtag cease and desist. Um, but it was kind of, obviously they were invited to this show, but it's kind of like, whoa, 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 who are these people? So anyway, uh, Effie is on his hands and knees wanting Stevie Fierce to come in and wrestle him. Uh, and Stevie Fierce is like, ah, I don't think I want to. Effie gets up and like shouts in his face, like backs him up into the corner and is yelling at him to come and wrestle and gets back on his hands and knees again. And it's like, man, Effie's in charge of this. Like, he's <laughs> He's the boss here. He's the daddy. He's the daddy. What did you say at the? What did you say at the uh, the live show we in did? In my introduction, he's a he's a daddy to, to many, too many. Yes, that's that's definitely Effie for sure. Um, and this is a good match. Once it gets started, they eventually Stevie Fierce does uh, grab hold to Effie, and they they do a little bit of the old fashioned Greco Roman style wrestling, which Effie's clearly winning, and uh, it, that's very cool. Eventually, that was a that was quite a. An intense Quite a display. Struggle. Quite a display. It was. I was like, oh no. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I really did. I felt like I was watching the Olympics, or I was back in my high school gym watching, right. like, you know, uh, whoa, 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 guys. Yeah. You're going to watch, you're going to cauliflower your ears if you're not careful. Oh, I don't say cauliflower ears ever. Uh, but eventually it becomes more of a typical wrestling match. Uh, 
the action is uh, slowed down every now and again when Effie, uh, <laughs> say, inappropriately grabs uh, CB Fierce or... You know, it just... Uh, it depends know. on what you think is... It depends on what you believe is inappropriate. Right. In a wrestling match, though, you know, uh, what you do in your own time is fine. But, uh, so that was really fun dynamic to watch, obviously. C.B. Fierce doesn't know how to handle someone like Effie. Um, C.B. Fierce, though, he enters the ring with that vanity mirror, that full-size vanity mirror, which he tries to use as a weapon on Effie, but the referee is there to take that vanity mirror from him. And while the ref has his back turned, he runs up and grabs that freelance title, throws it to Effie, and points to the referee and says, Whoa, he was going to hit me with that. He was going to hit me with that. Referee takes the belt away from Effie. When his back turned once again, he kicks Effie in the balls. Which makes you think, why didn't you just kick him in the balls after a ref had his back turned the first time? But, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, I mean, it's not fine because Effie takes a fall and ultimately gets pinned because of this. Uh, so Effie loses the match to Stephen oh, Fierce. Oh, man. You know, we call it right down the middle here on this podcast. We do. We're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. I've heard. But, but, boo. Right. Oh, man. I didn't want to see Effie go down. Like, I, you know, in terms of great and worthy opponents, I could see Effie falling to Leon Scott uh, throughout most of their feud and, and, and being angered because you want to see Effie come out on the winning end of that. But man, this was the one, this was the first time that I was like, Ooh, <laughs> Ooh Stevie Fierce. Who's the Stevie Fierce guy? We only want Effie here. Right. But then again, Effie is our favorite. So it's, it's if anyone hurts him, it's like, don't you hurt Effie. That's true. Don't you hurt that man? I thought the whole reference show was going to have to, in the spirit of invasion, I thought there was about to be an invasion angle from the whole reference show. Oh, no, I, I slashed his tires. <laughs> he, it took him a while to get home that night, I promise you. Uh, moving right along, though, we're going to talk about what happens when freelance wrestling meets CZW in a tag match. As uh, Matt Nix and Shug D with Jason Saint from Freelance take on Cannonball and Jimmy Lloyd. So we don't know what to expect because we haven't seen any of these guys in a fest wrestling ring before. Um, and we don't know what to expect when Shug D immediately, uh, before the match even begins, stops everything and tells the DJ to play something a bit more Halloween-y. In which case, I immediately turn to you and say, they're playing Thriller. And sure enough, <laughs> it was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Thriller starts up. And uh, Shug D starts it off. So it goes into uh, the, the thriller choreography. Just Shug D. But every time Shug D touches another wrestler, uh, they have to start dancing with Shug D. And that was the most brilliant aspect of this of this little uh, moment. This right. Little program. Absolutely. So Shug D, Jason St. Matt Nix, Cannonball, and Jimmy Lloyd are all now dancing. Yeah, uh, one a at a time. Yeah, yeah. As they're touched. And the referee. The referee joins in as well. Oh, so, it was very good. And it goes until they realize that's all the choreography we know. <laughs> that's all we rehearsed. And then, of course, the music is broken up by uh, super kicks. Well, you know, it, it was, uh, was Shug D's idea. This was a way to say, hey, we don't know you, you don't know us, and most of the people here don't know any of us. Here, here's your introduction. Right. Here's who we are. Now, out of this group, I mean, I, I've seen Jason Saint before. I've seen him on the internet. I've seen him 
uh, on social media as well as videos on YouTube, managing all sorts of different people. I've seen Suge D uh, here and there, and I've seen Cannonball Infamous. Usually I see him covered in blood at a CZW show, but uh, it was still uh, nice because this is the first time I'd seen any of these people uh, in person. Right. It is uh, nice to see new people. Um, especially when they do a <laughs> thriller dance off. That's very nice as well. Uh, Matt Nix hits a really cool uh, second rope moonsault to the outside. Uh, very agile, that guy. Uh, which case, Cannibal tries to follow up with something, some cool aerial assault, but in, he goes for the big, the big run against the ropes and just kind of climbs to the ropes and does a trust fall back into everyone on the outside, which is funny. A lot more comedy spots out of the CZW guys than I was expecting. Yeah, I know. What's funny because cool. what's funny because their backs are covered in scars from like all the abuse they've taken, and they get to come here and just wrestle and dance. Well, that was the thing. I, I thought to myself every time I've ever seen Cannonball, it's like literally he has shrapnel in his body, yeah. and yet here he is dancing and smiling, mm -hmm. and it was it was very, very cool. And using the chairs to actually sit in instead of uh, hit each <laughs> other with, because eventually both teams are sitting in chairs very close to each other, and they kind of have like a, a slap fight, punch fight, um, that goes back and forth. And so eventually uh, Shug D pulls out a door from under the ring, where all these doors are coming from. And eventually, there's actually two doors that are set up in both the uh, corner turnbuckles. I guess I should say two out of the four corner turnbuckles. When Shug D and Matt Nix go to use these doors against their opponents, the CZW crew turns the tables, and the CZW guys do double Death Valley drivers into the doors. And uh, that's all she wrote. CZW goes over on Freelance this day. And that's it for part two. That's it for act two of the show. More music, because it is Fest, and that's what the Fest is, is punk music. And we get to listen to Teen Death. Teen Death, which I reminded you that you had told our listeners you did not recommend. But of course you mean the act of <laughs> the Teen act Death, of Teen not Death. the musical act, right, right, Teen right. Death, who I was super into. I had never heard Teen Death, but standing, you know, three feet away from their lead singer, uh, I, I, I was like, this has a very old, like, bleach slash nevermind Nirvana feel to it. I dug it. I dug it. It was, uh, it, it felt a lot like that. It felt a whole lot like sort of su slightly subdued, uh, like, thrash. And uh, I was I was really into it. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely good like, musically. And I, I didn't hear anything I didn't like the entire time I was at Fest. I, yeah. That's that. I'm not just saying that either. So no one beats me up. Uh, I'm saying that because it's absolutely true. I think loud aggressive music calms me down. I listen to metal like every day of my life. <laughs> um, and so Teen Death puts on a great set, and that moves us into the third act, which begins. With your Wrestlepalooza title holder, Eric Cannon, taking on Maxwell Jacob Feinstein, or MJF, as he's commonly called. So we're seeing first wrestling happen here at Fest Wrestling. Eric Cannon is no stranger to Fest Wrestling, but this belt being defended, that's new. Um, I know that First Wrestling has had Sue Young come to Minneapolis and defend her Fest Wrestling Championship there. So here the favor is returned as Tony Weinbender and Fest Wrestling host 
a championship match for first wrestling. Yeah. And Eric Cannon, who is a fest regular, but defending his home turf of Minnesota here in this match, taking on MJF, who is doggedly rambunctious and hateful, spiteful to this crowd. He, I mean, he came prepared to crap on your heart. Yeah, he came in with the his gimmick is kind of like parents trust fund type of thing. I can buy my way out of any trouble kind of a thing going on. Um, and he comes in and immediately attacks uh, Rich Bokini. He calls him uh, Brennan, by the way, which yeah, is nice. not his name. Um, so that happens. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's 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 a good match. Uh, so MJF cuts a promo on everyone and basically says he's better than they are, and how much he hates uh, like PBR, which everyone's drinking. Of course, uh, he's healing it up. He knows what he's doing. So of course, Eric Cannon tries to force him to drink PBR during the match, and ultimately does. And of course, you know MJF is just repulsed by it. Like no, no, you think he was stabbing his face with something? You would think that. You, you would. You would think that. But it's a good match. It's the spoiled rich kid against the punk rocker. Yeah, the the anarchist. So of course this fest crowd's gonna be on the punk rocker side, uh hundred percent. Of course. Um and, and rightly so, MJF is landed on pretty thick. But eventually, uh Eric Cannon does spit the PBR in the face of MJF, hits him with the brain buster, and then Cannon retains the title. And thanks for coming, MJF. It was a real pleasure. Yes, it was. A real pleasure. And uh, it will be my pleasure to see MJF again. This guy was, like I said, intensely heel. He was old school. Got under your skin. I mean, he was slimy and despicable. I mean, that that's the kind of heel that doesn't really exist in Fest. And I think I would have a fantastic heel future in Fest with that persona. So I hope he comes back because... I mean, that type of persona could feud against any babyface or heel and fest. It's just the very core of his being is so anti-fest. He's he's doing he's doing it right. I, I think I think if he did it any less or any more, I, I don't think he could do it anymore. Is what I'm saying. Like, if if it were if it were, I think he's at eleven. If it were at ten, it wouldn't be enough. It'd be like, oh, I get it. You don't like us because we don't have money like you do. Sure. Your clothes don't have holes in them, but I think like he did it too much, which was the per- the perfect amount of heel for his character. So no, hats off to him. Well done there. No, absolutely. I- I'm super uh, enthused to see this guy moving forward. And in our next match, we will have a three way tag team bout between the Carnies, Nick Iggy, and Carrie Awful. Taking on the boys, that's right, the boys, those boys, Dalton Castle's boys, and three equally charming heterosexuals, who on this night I think are two ah! equally charming heterosexuals. You, I'm very surprised you didn't mention that to me at the show. Uh, tech, usually three equally charming heter- heterosexuals. Uh, only two this night. I know. And but tech still works, by the way. The T still works. It still works. Yeah. But, but, what? I mean, what? What? The, no shit talking Jim Sherbert? No, because I think, I think uh, Trevor Reed ate him. 
because Trevor Reed, <laughs> Trevor Reed has put on like some mass, like like not not he's gained like like fat. That dude got is getting buff. Is it me? Uh, no, he he is getting bigger and and buffer. He he looks but... like an altered beast when <laughs> like the 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 Trevor Reed that we've seen before looks like before you get an orb. And then he got an orb. He got one orb. He went. And then he powers up. Power up. And then now he's he's slightly bigger. So he's like he's like the slightly bigger version. So one more, and he'll look like Brian Cage. And then another one who'll become a werewolf well, monster. I was about, hopefully like he'll a, become beastly. Like a, a, a lot <laughs> but like a lime green one, I hope. Right, yeah. A lime green, because that's so different uh than the normal werewolf. Anyway, um enough about Altered Beast. Um but no, uh, more about that. Okay, more about that. Okay, uh, nice. Uh, so yeah, so Jim Sherbear not there, but Trevor shit talking Jim Sherbear. Where are you shit talking Jim Sherbear? Trevor Reed and Mike Monroe, of course, present and uh, accounted for, and we got ourselves a triple threat tag match. Yeah, and these are three. Or if, if if Tech is three equally charming heterosexuals, these are three uh, equally oddball tag teams, and man, they are. Uh, this, they're all horses of different colors. This is what this is. I think I'm in the merry old land of Oz. <laughs> I'm watching a couple of the dog faced gargoyle and, uh, the ringmaster and the boys. And they're, they're like Vegas showboys and tech. I mean, and tech who, again, like we were talking about the one dude who all of a sudden is a Homer for Effie. It's like the whole crowd is all of a sudden a Homer for tech who never receive anything except booze. Because they're the tie that binds. But all of a sudden... Th- th- they are Team Fest. Tech is Team Fest. So they're repping Fest. And once again, like we commonly point out about Tech, is they're always the team that doesn't have time for this bullshit. Because the boys and the carnies are playing grab-ass. They're playing with the boys' feathers. Right. Um, and they're, they're hanging out. And Tech's like, no, just wrestle! Just wrestle! That's they're, funny. You're right about that. Yeah, they're, I love how... They, they fucking come out to Frankie Goes to Hollywood relax. <laughs> but when they get into the ring, they're like, no time for that bullshit. Let's wrestle. We're here to wrestle. And then it's one of those... It's like Drennan's music. Uh, that when I hear the... And I'm waiting for... Relax to kick in. Yeah, I just get so happy. Yeah, like I like that. First of all, it's because I'm a fan of tech. But secondly, the music is just such the mood setter, and that's the key to picking good entrance music. Is it has to make you happy from the first note or the first beat. Mm-hmm. It has to make you happy without even hearing it. Just the thought of it. This song should not be anyone's entrance music, by the way. And it should definitely not work for any tag teams, <laughs> but it does work for tech. It does. Um, so that there's that tech. And I gotta say, tech does. I mean, the boys I've seen wrestle in ROH, of course. The carnies, I've seen them. What they can do online, for the most part, never like right before me, live in living color. Um, but as far as tech goes, a team that we've seen for almost a year wrestled all these fest shows, they consistently get better and better. So Mike Monroe, big Mike Monroe. Uh, Trevor Reed and even shit talking uh, Jim Sherbert. You guys, uh, you guys are doing well. Very hey, good. you guys, you did it. You did it uh, from the very first time we saw them, where we were kind of thought almost treated them as an afterthought, right. and now they're one of my favorite tag teams, certainly at Fest. Right. So uh, 
grown right before our, our very eyes. They're Trevor all Reed up. literally growing before <laughs> our eyes. Power up. That dude's hitting the weights pretty hard. But this is a good match. This is an opportunity for three different styles, three different appearances, uh, three different, three radically different gimmicks. That's almost like three different worlds colliding. Yeah. Literally. Like it, it's so much more than that typical, you know, two, two worlds collide type of cliche. That's really what this match seems like. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of uh, great moves. We did blow by blow. I mean, we can't do blow by blow of every every match. This episode would be nine hours long because the show itself is right at six hours long. But I mean, a lot of just great wrestling in here. Of course, a lot of spills over the top rope, a lot of dives to the outside onto the opponents. The boys are particularly good at working in sync. They they really and are. the fact that they're identical twins, it is a spectacle. Right. Too bad there wasn't a tag format for those twins to really take advantage of that bushwhacker style. Um, not that the Bushwhackers were ever uh, <laughs> twins. I don't, I don't know. How, I don't know how. They, now that I think about it, I uh, don't know how they ever got away with switching out illegally. <laughs> um, but there is a human pyramid spot here with Trevor Reed on the top turnbuckle. The, the boys going in for a superplex. The Carnies get involved to go for power bombs, and uh, they all fall down with Trevor Reed coming down on that superplex right onto Mike. Onto him. Wow. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Cool spot there. Also a really cool spot that actually got some applause from uh, the harshest critics of them all, which is the wrestlers who are watching upstairs in the balcony. Yeah, not the boys, but the boys. The the boys in the back who are basically in the front and everywhere just filling out (laughs) because there's a thousand wrestlers here. Um, Tech does that, I put double swinging front face slam on the boys. It's so good. It is really good. It's hard to really describe what this move is. Um, imagine you have your opponent, their, their leg is up on your shoulder, like they're kind of straddling you and you have their arm, uh, you have, and then, I, I don't know how to, you have to look this one up. It's, <laughs> it's a really cool move. Basically, they turn the boys into a jump rope. What it, with it, with and it ends with the boys slamming face forward into the mat. Uh, you turn you turn the the opponent the into a pendulum. Yeah, yeah. Only it has the finite point of their face and the canvas. Yeah, it's hard to explain the move, but it does look great. And the people upstairs they they applauded. So way to go, Tech! You you won them over. Um, I didn't see the finish of the match because MJF decided to come out and do commentary with Rich, and while I saw them bickering. I turned around and noticed that the Carnies got the win out of nowhere. Did you see how the match ended? I didn't. I was, I, I as well was looking at MJF. <laughs> I was thinking, this is going to be wonderful when this match ends up on YouTube. It's going to be great. Right. But without the announcers feeding into the PA and without MJF getting involved in the actual match, unless you happen to look and see him, it almost seemed pointless. Right. Also, he came out to do commentary at the very, very end of the match. At the very end. It was like, end. I'm here for commentary. Ding, ding, ding. The winner is the Carnies. And it was like, well, I'm staying. <laughs> I'm staying to do commentary. Right. And because it's a show that is separated and presented uh, online in matches and mm-hmm. segments, you're not presented with what happens in between the matches. Right. Exactly. So they yeah. could have sat there and talked with MJF for a long time. But we'll never know. Right, absolutely. But the Carnies get the win in this uh, really good match. And uh, moves on to another really, really good match. Actually, Imagine that. A singles match. It's the first match that doesn't involve any humor. 
It's the first straight-up wrestling match on the card. Uh, Rachel Ellering, uh, Precious Paul Ellering's daughter, who is Rachel Evers for the Mae Young Classic. Which, uh, thank you, Ryan Kelly, one of our dear listeners, for letting me know that the reason she's Rachel Evers is because she is the student of Lance Storm, whose real whose shoot name is Evers. Mm-hmm. So that was her nice tribute for uh, to her trainer, right? Uh, which we still didn't understand why you would change it from Ellering in the first place. Ellering, get that cred, right? Man. Get that cred. It's like Tessa Blanchard. But she's like she's Tessa like, Blanchard didn't go to the May Young class. I'm Tessa. Bergenstahl. Right. Well, then she never would have gone anywhere with that name. Or she would have been in WWE and they would have shortened it to just Bergenstahl. Oh, <laughs> Here comes Bergenstahl. Run for your lives, everybody. Um, so, Rachel Ellering takes on Holodead, frenemy of the show. You may remember when she called in and threatened us. She called in and threatened us. Holodead, we, we, we heed your words. Scary lady. We cheered you. Luckily, she licked the face of the guy next to me and not and not me. And it was she not you. She totally did. She, she does that. She totally did. People are getting licked a lot. <laughs> they Licked are. and kissed. They are. If you were in the front row at Fest and you don't like to be licked and kissed, you might want to get in the second row. Absolutely. I, I would have to agree with that. But like I said, this is just a really, really good match. Um, it's a bru- it's a brutish match, too. It really is. Which I guess that's Rachel Ellering for you, because as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I realized, I think I used the word brutish to describe her matches from the Mae Young class. Well, she's a power lifter, so she's got a lot of power. She delivers a, a gut-wrench uh, suplex to... Um, Paula dead, which funny, nasty. She doesn't look brutish. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a really good match. Like, I again, I, I could go blow for blow, but I mean, it's just some really solid wrestling in this match. I'm really looking forward to watching it again on uh, on YouTube for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one to rewatch. These both of these ladies are very talented, very strong. Um, not exactly strong style, but they do kind of lay it in. It looks realistic. It looks like a fight. And uh, like you said, without their uh, sort of in the absence of uh, any comedy spots, no nonsense. It, it become right. It's it's just no nonsense. It's very straightforward. This this had the feeling of like a, a true contest here, and uh, who's going who's going to win this contest? And, and like I said, really solid wrestling match. Ultimately, Rachel does go for the the roll up on Holiday, but Holiday does a really nice counter into a sit down double underhook suplex. And goes over on Rachel Ellering. Big got, win. Big win. I gotta say, I was actually pretty surprised she pulled that out. Not to ever doubt Holodead. Because I know better than to do that, Holodead. That's alright, Holodead. I know. Um, but man, just like, really awesome match. Really great finish. And I, I was pleased to punch. I was... I, pleased to spike punch in this, this fist. Yeah. I too was pleased as spiked punch. <laughs> Delightful. Man Scout Jake Manning and Zane Riley take on Space Monkey and Colt Cabana. Talk about licking and uh, Zane Riley is a nasty licker. I wasn't talking. Oh, I was talking about licking. Yeah, we were <laughs> talking. Like, the hell's that transition? No, no, we're oh, talking. I was about, talking about. Licking. We were talking about licking. And I'm usually talking about licking. Zane Riley is a nasty, nasty individual. Zane Riley is is a mean man. He's typically a, a, a mean man to the fest audience. And as I said that night, I I don't know because I I don't have is Man Scout is he. 
always a heel. I don't. That's what I don't know. To I don't know what to make of the gimmick. Right. I don't know if he's supposed to be. Like, oh, I'm a man scout, which means I'm like a boy scout, but better. So therefore, I'm I'm wholesome. Or is it I'm obnoxiously a man scout, which isn't a thing. So haha, yeah. You know, I I'm a heel. I, right. I don't know what it is. So far in his appearances at Fest, he's worked as a heel, well, for sure. And he's good at it. He's a funny heel, though, so you can't help but, like, cheer for him, even though you, you realize he's a horrible person. Um, what's <laughs> great is Manscout and uh, Space Monkey, uh, which is great to see Space Monkey uh, live and in color, um, are fighting each other. Space Monkey, of course, everyone's throwing bananas in the ring. As soon as Colt and uh, Space Monkey come out, all these bananas come flying in. Colt Cabana's not aware of it. He's just like, oh shit! Like, if these bananas come in, they can hurt you being hit in the face with a fucking banana. Um, so, Space Monkey may be a little more, a little preoccupied with the bananas. And uh, so he, he's really just kind of worried about this banana that he has in his hand. He wants to start eating it. Well, Space Monkey and Colt Cabana both consume multiple bananas during this match. Right, and of course, you know, these two as a tag team. I think I said on, on Twitter, like, uh, Colt Cabana and Space Monkey is the TV sitcom you didn't know you needed in your life or something like that. Yeah, and I and said... And everyone laughed yeah, and said, laughed oh, at said, my oh, comedy. Yeah, I said, oh, that's great. Who said that? And you said, I just did. I just did, Darren, because I'm fucking brilliant. Um, it anyway, was funny. It was funny. So, I, would, so, I would watch that sitcom. I, I would as well. Space Monkey preoccupied with his banana. Man Scout Jake Manning pulls out his his Boy Scout handbook, and he's got his nose in that. So they're wrestling each other, but really they're half wrestling each other because they're both doing what they're already doing. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Space Monkey. I can't remember who, but someone Irish whips uh, Jake Manning, and he just goes he just back goes. and forth on the ropes. Never looking up from his Boy Scout uh, handbook. I was terribly impressed by that. Yeah, I don't know how he did that without just tripping all over himself. Ran the ropes several times. Right. All the while remaining upright with his head down looking into the manual. It was very cool looking. Right. And Colt Cabana, when he, when he's the serious one of the match, you know that you're... <laughs> You know that you're seeing some real characters wrestle, and Space Monkey certainly is that. Uh, uh, Mascot Jake Manning as well. How um, about Cole Cabana pulling out the uh, the springboard moves? Yes, I was going to say that. Like uh, Cabana comes in there, and he's you know he's more of a brawler, I'd say, because of his size and his, his strength. But man, pulls a fucking textbook moonsault out of his ass. It was very sharp. It was awesome. But Zane Riley does get some revenge on Cole Cabana when Cabana's sitting in the corner, and Riley hits him with the full-speed human cannonball. And Cabana looks over to the right. <laughs> and he's got the most pained face. Because that probably really fucking hurt. Probably knocked the wind out of him. Absolutely had to have knocked the wind out of him. God damn. I think Zane Riley was like, well, you're going to remember me, Colt Cabana. Ultimately, Colt Cabana does get Jake Manning up on his shoulders, and Space Monkey comes off that top rope. With a Steinerizer, slightly modified, with hitting with the tail. Um, and basically, yeah. And that, that's how it goes down. Cabana and Space Monkey take the win. And uh, hopefully they take a meeting with NBC and get that sitcom made. <laughs> uh, time will tell. That's it for Act 3. We now listen to the Jukebox Romantics. Which is nice. It's also like the seventh inning stretch of a baseball game. We've been there for a little while, so everyone's kind of like... 
At that point, we're like, I just got to sit down for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally so stepped outside for some fresh air. Yeah. And then I'm right in front of everybody who was probably like, what is he doing? I, I literally just stopped and slowly bent over and touched my toes. <laughs> and I felt like pop, 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 pop of like four vertebrae that were like, Thank you for realigning me. Yes. You now stop standing on this hard floor for hours, asshole. It's wrestling. You deal with it, vertebra. Exactly. That's what I told my mind and body is, I'm doing this. I'm watching wrestling for seven and a half hours. I don't care. <laughs> You're not my dad. And right back into the action. And uh, right back into it because this next match is for the Fest Championship. Wow. A little odd. The Fest Championship belt was not defended in the main event. But that shows you just all the belts that were on the line of this show. And uh, Sue Young, who is the Fest champion, takes on Chuck Taylor. And we have ourselves a divided crowd. Because usually in a Sue match, you hear Sue, Sue, Sue. And anyone else, fuck you. F-U, F-U, F-U. But a lot of fans of Chuck Taylor were there. Yes, there are a lot of Chuck Taylor fans. A lot uh, of sexy Chucky e. T fans there. Chuck Taylor, who was gracious enough just 24 hours earlier... To have been on the whole Ref and Show podcast, our live version. It's episode 58, the episode before this, you can check it out. Mm-hmm. And Sue Young, friend of the show, we have uh, had a, a well, really... What, what episode was her? What, what episode was her? Uh, oh, mister, I know what episode everyone's on. Can't remember off the top of my head. Episode, yeah, and yeah, she was great. She she really was great. Excellent guest on the show. And so we're the, torn. We're right, torn. We're torn too. Yeah. Like, because I honestly would have been stoked to see either of them walk uh, out of this match with that belt on. And I'm a fan of both of these uh, wrestlers. Um, as we heard from Chuck on, on our live show, Chuck said he's she's terrifying. He's scared to death of her. And, uh, and it's kind of evident at various points. There's some points that... Chuck really gets the physical upper hand here. Yeah. And seems very much in control. But every time Sue gets a little spooky or a little creepy, Chuck seems to sort of like lose his, his wits. In the beginning, he is a bit apprehensive going against the undead bride. Uh, but he does do something that he mentioned he would do on our podcast. He mentions after drinking and eating so much pizza all weekend... That he was probably going to wear a shirt during the match. And <laughs> damn it, he did that. Um, so, hey, you heard it here, folks. The whole ref and show, folks. The only Fine. podcast that goes right down the middle. This is a this is another brutish match. It is. This a lot is... of Sue's matches aren't very technical. Like, they, they're just kind of gruesome. Like, 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 they go on the outside a lot. There's a lot of jumping off of... Of things and a lot of chairs being involved and all kinds of foreign objects. Yeah, there, there's a, an intense brutality. There really is. With all of the, the impact with the floor and the ring apron and the foreign objects. And then, of course, the spitting of the blood and uh, the choking with the gloved hand. And right. Everything is like, like it's, it's brutal. Like you said, it's gruesome. Because it, well, it's, like, Sue's oozing blood after that. I mean, it's visceral and grotesque. It, it is like... And uh, beautiful. It, it, I don't know if it's beautiful, <laughs> but uh, it is it does, uh, beautif- beautifully grotesque, maybe. Sure. Or grotesquely beautiful. So it goes outside, like a lot of Sue matches tend to. Yeah. Sue props Chuck up in the chair, 
And Sue jumps up on that uh, that outer apron and does that forward flip into Chuck. Um, Chuck that was such a good spot. Oh, it's great. It's really amazing to watch. A lot of it happens in the audience away from us, though, so we can't see some of it. I do recall Chuck Taylor suplexing Sue into a stack of chairs, which Sue sells beautifully, by the way. Again, we talk about Sue Young's facial expressions. Uh, obviously, Sue Young herself is a big character, uh, or really big into the Sue Young character. Um, and her pain, her pained face is like the, you feel bad. You feel so bad with that pained face. Like she's so menacing and horrible. But if you actually hurt her, it's like me, you would hurt me. And it's like, no, no, no. How are we describing that? How are we describing that? Uh, tortured soul. Tortured soul. Yeah. She's that that tortured face. Because we were talking about that. It's like, she is uh, like a low down, dirty spooky, gnarly, like, awful kind of, uh, like, metaphysical force that's like, ugh, why would you ever feel sorry for her? And then all of a sudden she's like, she's wounded. She's a wounded soul. She's wounded and you want to, like, go, oh no, it's okay, let me brush your hair and uh, <laughs> I'll get you, like, you know. It's, it's, like a, it's like a ghost movie, but, you know, the ghost only exists because they died horribly. Right. So it's like, I'm this monster, but, oh, the world made me this way. So she's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. She is Casper the Friendly Ghost. Sue, if you're listening, I'm sorry that Darren said that. You shouldn't be so friendly. The don't be quite as friendly. No, but I love it. I love that pained look, that like wounded look. It is. And she her. and she does it well. Um Chuck slips away though and actually escapes back uh backstage. Sue goes after him. All of a sudden Sue comes flying back into frame uh fr- <laughs> flying back into the uh into the arena, <laughs> so to speak. All of a sudden Chuck is wearing Sue one of Sue's wedding dresses, which I don't know how that happened, but he's not, he's not wearing it very well. He's kind of half wearing it because <laughs> um, Chuck Taylor's a six two. He's a big guy. He's he's a lot bigger than Sue. He's a, he's a little bigger than Sue. Uh, but all of a sudden, I don't know. Chuck Taylor doesn't seem to be intimidated by Sue anymore. Kind of giving her what she's giving him, and uh, more brawling goes on. More brawling goes on. Gets back into the ring where Sue hits that second rope DDT. It's usually it's a common move from Sue. I always enjoy seeing that. Yeah, it's a good one. Right, but Chuck tries to hit Sue with the Fest Championship belt. Referee yanks it away from Chuck. Turns his back. Chuck grabs another one of Sue's belts. I think she has three total. Uh, and actually hits Sue with it. He hides the belt under Sue's dress, or maybe his dress even, in the corner um, and actually covers Sue. Sue kicks out at two. Chuck hits the awful waffle on Sue. And Sue kicks out again. At that point, I'm thinking, like, okay, then Sue can't be killed. Right, yeah. Uh, Sue's Michael Myersing uh, Chuck Taylor right now. Um, then Chuck gets hit with that red mist when he's in the top rope. Uh, Sue then basically throws him down onto the mat. And uh, Chuck gets that mandible claw with that gross, horrible glove that Sue Young pulls out of wherever she pulls it out of. And uh, that's it. He taps out to Sue Young's mandible claw, and Sue retains that Fest Championship belt. Wow. Big win for Sue Young. I don't, Huge. I, I think a lot of people thought that Sue was going down to Chuck at this point. Yeah, I, I definitely did. I, I really would have been happy with either finish, but I really went into this thinking, here's where the belt changes hands. Yeah. Chuck Taylor's going to win this and get ready for the Chuck Taylor era of Fest Wrestling. 
Not so fast. Not so fast. Sue, uh, a couple more shows, and Sue will have had the belt for a year. That's pretty crazy to think about. Moving on! Another championship belt defended. The Defy champion, Shane Strickland, the King of Swerve, takes on Desmond Xavier. Now, immediately, obviously, Shane Strickland has that swagger when he comes out. Very charismatic, this young man gets in the ring. That swagger and that swerve. That swagger and that swerve. But I got I to gotta mention Desmond Xavier's entrance real quick. Because Desmond Xavier is coming to the ring and someone's giving a thumbs down. And he grabs the hand. <laughs> he grabs the hand of the fan and turns it to a thumbs up. And I was just like, yeah, well done. Good job. Uh, yeah, I missed that. But you told me about it at the show and I, I laughed heartily. That's a very slick move on his part. Desmond Xavier, not so slick here though. <laughs> he's on the outside apron and does like a big kind of like, you know, like, like a huge flip into the ring. Uh, doesn't realize there's a giant speaker above him and he kicks the speaker on the way in. <laughs> and uh, he gets <laughs> he gets up off the rope and he's still kind of like, yeah, me, arms up in the air, Shane Strickland walks by and he's pointing to the speaker above him. Yeah, that was very nice. Uh, he lambasted uh, uh, Xavier after that one. But once this thing gets started, this match is fast and furious. Yes, it is. This is exactly what you would expect it to be, dear listeners. This is a showcase. This is an exhibition. This is a clinic. These two men are the leaders of said clinic, and they're going to pull out all the stops, all the flips, all the kicks, the high-flying maneuvers, the high-risk maneuvers. Anytime you blindly backflip over the top rope without touching anything... About as high of a risk as you could possibly take in the the uh, sport, the business of, of, of pro wrestling. Yeah, talking about this match doesn't do it justice. No, uh, it doesn't. But, you know, when Strickland does like a springboard 450 onto Xavier on the outside, <sighs> Xavier hits a running corkscrew splash on the outside on Strickland. Um, it, it's stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's insane. I mean, these guys are highlight reels, really. <laughs> I mean, they're both... Insanely uh, talented uh, athletes and wrestlers. Yeah, and, and, they, and they, all these moves happen in tandem. Like, you just see something, you've barely recovered from it, and then all of a sudden you see something equally as impressive. Right. And, I mean, Strickland in the end just unloads an arsenal on Desmond Xavier. Strickland hits a running backflip splash on Xavier on the outside. Uh, then he does the, the running kick to Xavier on the apron. Throws him inside the ring where... Strickland comes off that top rope with the double foot stomps in the ring. Then pin slam combinations, what I have. It's probably his finisher. I need to find out what that's called. But basically just a, a, a body slam pinning combination. For the win, Strickland retains that Defy Championship belt. Yes, he does. And he has uh, defended it well. And he will continue to defend that for Defy. And I guess he'll continue to defend the Defy belt at Fest. Which is okay by me. The more we can see of Shane Strickland, the better. This guy is uh, going to be a big part of pro wrestling for years to come. Radio man. Radio. With that, we go into more tag action. It's actually a double date match. Double date. Double date between Joey Janela and Penelope Ford. The bad boy Joey Janela. They take on Laura James and Joey Ryan. Oh, man. If you like pina coladas, you're going to love Joey Ryan. If you like uh, sharing saliva, you're gonna like Joey Ryan. Yeah, that's gross. It, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's something. That's what it is. It's one thing to take the, the the blow pop from Joey Ryan that's been in Joey Ryan's mouth. 
it is something completely different to take the blow pop that's been inside of his trunks uh, during an entire match. Well, I will say that at least four, if not more, blow pops are traded yeah. amongst wrestlers and fans during this match. And hey, more power to you. I don't care whose trunks they've been in for the duration of a match. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. That's that's not me. I'm not that guy. Cool match, though. Very good match. Cool match, I, though, bro. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen Joey Janela in person. Uh, it's the first time I've seen Penelope Ford in person, for that matter. And uh, they make an excellent pairing. They really Joey Janela going by the bad boy. I mean, he has he has a good look. He has... Talk about giving good face. This guy has an excellent face. Uh, tells stories all by itself. And... So does Penelope Ford. And at first I thought, okay, she's just uh, a pretty athletic girl. And then all of a sudden I saw every aspect of what makes a professional wrestler great kick in step by step, one after the other, as she's telling stories with her face. That I guess the story is that she's sort of a ditzy blonde. Uh-huh. You know, she's sort of, of course you're the girlfriend of the bad boy. She, she's like a dead or alive character. Okay. For, she's like a dead or alive character for the popular fighting games, Dead or Alive. Some of you fans who know what I'm talking about are like, yes, you're exactly right. Darren doesn't know, so he's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but she's, she's a pretty blonde who who does these... And she Apparently she was a gymnast, so she's able to do all these, like, these cartwheels and flips, which she does during the match. And she starts off with a split. She, she She's kind of got... I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to take too long talking about Penelope Ford, but I will because I was most impressed with her, and I was too. Um, because she has the, she has a great look. She's got you know the the really good ring gear. It's cool. Um, she ha- she has all the facial expressions. The acting is there. She does all these gymnastic moves. She knows her wrestling. She <laughs> has a really awesome spot later where she jumps from the second floor of eight seconds into the ring. Go ahead and say that. That fucking happened. So yeah. I was like, uh, who is she? Right. I, I was not aware of Penelope Ford until this match. And what was great was, not just was it from the second floor, it was out of the like little peephole crow's nest yeah. that the locker room uses to peer out from high above mm. on the wrestling <laughs> ring there at 8 seconds for Fest Wrestling. I didn't even see her leave. No, she kind of disappears. And I guess she... That's she hauled ass up there, mm-hmm. came through the back, and then all of a sudden leaps out of that window. Right. I mean, this redefines suicide dive in my book, and comes to, crashing down on everyone. That's a trust fall. That, that's a real. That's trust a fall. real trust fall because yeah. you got to trust some people to save you from breaking your neck or your knees. Especially Joey Janela's like shit. If I drop her, like. <laughs> She's gonna be super pissed at me. Yeah, really. I gotta go home and listen to that all night if I drop. It was her. a, uh, yeah. That was the that was one of the moves of the night, right? Laura James, very fitting partner for Joey Ryan. Um, I mean, basically following Joey Ryan's act, which is not easy to do. Um, you know, it has a blow pop like Joey Ryan's got the blow pop and everything, and <laughs> they're a cute couple too because you can tell like, oh, they they love each other. They do. They man, one big smackaroo on the lips. Right during the middle of the match. Yeah. Know. There's no time for that. Punches, not kisses. But of course, we see the dick plex happen. You know, compliments of Joey Ryan. Um, we actually see the, the vagina plex 
uh, compliments of Laura James. And the bootplex. And the bootplex we do see. Uh, Joey Ryan hits the bootplex on uh, Penelope Ford. Uh, we even see Joey Ryan do the, the do the dick flex uh, to Joey Janela into a chair, to a folding chair, which added just a <laughs> hardcore element uh, to an adult hardcore theme move, uh, which actually went over pretty well. And uh, yeah, Joey Ryan and Laura James do win the match. But uh, yeah, super impressed by Joey Janela and Penelope Ford. But like, I mean, Penelope Ford, I just wasn't expecting... All of that. No one expected her to jump off the second floor of the building. Come on. No, no. I, Joey Ryan impressed as usual. Laura James was great. But Joey Janela delivered what was anticipated, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Penelope Ford delivered even more than that. Absolutely. Joey Janela and Penelope Ford, I am super excited to, to see them next time. Whether it be in a festering or elsewhere. Absolutely. And that takes us to the main event of the evening. And after all the matches we just talked about and all the talent we just Ooh. talked about, for a main event to main event, this this non-PPV, PPV, uh, it's got to be something special. It is because it's the Wrestling Revolver Open Invite Scramble, which is a title uh, at Revolver, um, which is held by Matt Palmer, who apparently won a couple of uh, scrambles on his way to this scramble because he mentions beating, like, 12 or so other people, technically, in the I last mean, few days. He might have also beaten some eggs, since he, like, scrambles so much. Oh, well done. <laughs> Clearly, it's getting late here in the whole ref show <laughs> for that joke to come out of Darren's mouth. Um, so, yeah. It's time for dad jokes. Matt Palmer is defending that revolver uh, open invite scramble Title belt against the likes of Fest's favorite Jason Cade. That's right. Who comes out uh, and <laughs> who comes out and I love that it's adorable. He's looking for uh, Beta Scott, who's not there. Yeah, he comes out to their tag team music. Yeah, that real herky jerky sleigh bells tune that they mm-hmm. come out to. So immediately recognizable. And yeah, he's looking for Veda Scott the whole time. That was pretty funny. Yeah, dives under that rope for that rope pose where Veda's supposed to be over him. Looks up and doesn't see Veda Aww. there. It's like, oh, Veda. That's a little sad. Uh, we also see Serpentico, which I don't know how he wrestles in a mask and contact lenses, by the way. Uh, yeah, me neither. That's insane. Um, and there's a beard underneath that mask. Oh, my God. I just, I, I how you see or breathe or anything. Well, to have all the coordinated outfit that is Serpentico, which, by the way, looks awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like, how do you do... How do you get anything done? How, how are you that good wearing all of that? And it is. It's a killer outfit. It Matt is. Palmer is totally in the wrong for calling him Cobra Commander. He, he totally is. But speaking of good outfits, even Matt Palmer can't deny how good Caleb Conley's gear is. Whew. And the funny thing is, you actually mentioned to me, you were like, Caleb Conley's gear looks really, really cool. And I noticed it. I was like, yeah, it is pretty cool. And Matt Palmer even noticed how cool Caleb Conley's gear is because he has something negative to say about everybody in the ring except for Caleb Conley. We also have Anthony Henry in the match, Saeed Al-Sabah, and new friend of the show, uh, Matt Cross. That's right. If you heard episode 58, the live version of the whole reference show from the Fest 16 at the Hippodrome, you heard a lot of awesome uh, discussion uh, on that show, and Matt Cross was an integral part of those discussions. Very, very passionate 
A very intense. If anyone is the poster child for Fest Wrestling, it should be Matt Cross. Yeah. And he said it at our live show when I gave him the choice, never listen to punk again, never wrestle again. He said it's a hard choice, but it's an easy choice. Uh, he'd never wrestle again because he loves punk music that much, uh, which is awesome. And and again, Fest Wrestling came from the Fest. So, I mean, you, you have to kind of respect that it's about the music more than anything. Sure. But also wrestling's pretty cool. But, I mean, Matt Cross, he 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 just he loves punk so much. He loves wrestling so much. And, and there was a great moment in the match where Matt Cross hits this, like, awesome move and, you know, on the outside and, and, you know, knocks everyone down like bowling pins. And he keeps running forward, jumps up on the shoulders of the people at Fest and just has his arms up and everyone's cheering for him. And had we not had that talk with Matt Cross at our panel the day before, I might not have noticed this moment. Okay. Because I would have just been like, yeah, he's saying, yeah, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. But I think, you know, because everyone at that moment is saying, oh, thank you, Matt Cross, for being awesome. But really, I think Matt Cross is saying, thank you, Fest. I think you're right. Because he was able to give back to Fest what he'd been getting from Fest ever since, what, Wednesday when pre-Fest? Yeah, yeah. And just, that had to be just the fucking cherry on top for him. To be able to main event Fest Wrestling at the Fest... Which you know he was enjoying the shit out of all week. To the point of losing his voice on like day three or four. Um, And man, just... It was it had to be a really cool moment for him. I think he really, really had some fucking fun. And that guy... That man, when you say Matt Cross can wrestle... That's like saying Rembrandt can paint. Uh, (laughs) That guy can fucking go. Oh, he absolutely can. And uh, he shows off all of his stuff here. And... um, He's got a little bit of age on him compared to some of these other guys, and you'd never know it. Oh, you, first of all, that dude's in fucking phenomenal shape. Uh, unreal shape. He's in he's in stupid good shape, and uh, yeah, he he can I, he could probably go for quite a while before he gets tired. Oh, for sure. So, but I mean, everyone in this match is excellent. This whole match is worthy of being the main event for uh, a, a a show that's basically a bunch of main events. A bunch of matches that could main event anywhere. Right. Um, but uh, a lot of cool spots in here. Another human pyramid set up for this match. However, Frank Gastineau, the referee, is the one that sets <laughs> it off. Which is just absurd and only only fest wrestling. So official Frank Gastineau gets his shit in in the match full of uh, main eventers. Um, they huddle up and they trade blows for a bit. Then everyone kicks the person to the right of them, which looked really, really cool. Yeah, that was cool. That mid-ring spot there. Um, and just a lot of flips and a lot of, you know, throwing caution to the wind offense and <laughs> all kinds of crazy shit in this match. But ultimately, ultimately, stealing the win from Matt Cross, Matt Palmer rolls up Jason Cade and retains that scramble belt. And uh, that's it. That's all she wrote. Yeah, I don't know exactly what to make of it because I don't follow Matt Palmer. I'd like to. He tells a great story. He's on the microphone multiple times before, during, and after this match. And, uh, you know, I like what he has to say. I'd like to know his whole story. I'd like to see maybe it develop further in front of a fest crowd. Right. And in a, in a, in a night where so many belts were defended... Not one title change. No. Not a single title change. Wow. 
I guess all the the promotions were like, don't you dare lose his belt. All right. Don't you go down to Gainesville and lose that belt to nobody. Again, they're they're evil Southern people, as we discussed. We discovered early. They are. They all are. They are. All, all Southerners are evil. I can say that I'm Southern. Um, <laughs> so, man, what a great night it was. A little something for everyone. Everyone was entertained. I had people. I was surrounded by people who are who are fest wrestling fans. I have people around me who are just enjoying the fest itself. And you can tell they are not wrestling fans, but they're like, "Oh man, this is awesome!" Right? Did you see that? Well, that guy just is fucking not like. I mean, <laughs> I'm constantly getting like this is like in stereo, left of me and right of me, all these compliments from obvious not wrestling fans. Right. And if you can impress a non wrestling fan, you know you're doing something right. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, those casual fans that actually came in and stayed, there's a reason this building was at capacity. And it was all night. All night. All seven hours of this show. Which means they chose, because again, the fest, the, the concert's still going. Still going. They, he, they chose the wrestling overseeing more concerts. Yeah. Before, during, and after. Yeah. There is music being played all over Gainesville. But I love that a lot of the a lot of the fest roster, they um they basically they finished the show up and they left quickly, you know, to go see other bands play. Cause uh, me, you and our buddy RJ who was with us, we went with Rich Bokini. Like, right after the show was over and went and checked out Super Chunk. Uh, like, finished their set. Yeah, Bo Diddley Plaza, which is sort of the heart, uh, the geographical heart of Fest. Uh, it's the largest venue, the main stage, if you will. Uh, that was their uh, closing show of the evening. Yeah. With Super Chunk. And to get there and see that part of Fest. Yeah. We, did, we didn't get to see it on Saturday because we were, because we were performing. Yeah, we were... We didn't see it on Sunday because we kept our happy wrestling loving asses in that building of eight seconds for seven hours. But to get out there and see all the rest of Fest was so cool. That's a very good point. And also, I mean, us watching it with Rich Bokini's there. Uh, Max Gregg is there. We see fucking Vacation Jason over to the right, like, dancing around. And it's like, that, like that that's why this is here. That's why Fest Wrestling exists. That's why every piece is, is right there before if, us. If not for the Fest, there is no Fest Wrestling. And it was great. I mean, and, you know, Super Chunk was playing great music. And it was just kind of an awesome, like, oh, man, like... Like what a weekend, or you know what it a week. It was super nice. It was nice. It was, it was super one of, chunk. Yeah, and it was one of those moments, like at the end of like a like a sappy sitcom. Yes. Where I was like, all right, we can roll the credits <laughs> on this weekend now. And <laughs> credits come up. Yeah. Executive producer Perry Smith. Producer Perry Smith. They're all my name. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. Starring Darren Beasley, the star. Annoying jerk, Darren Beasley. Typecast. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <laughs> It was a great experience, and we, we, we do it all the time, but we, we can't thank him enough. Thank you so much, Tony Weinbender, for putting together Fest Wrestling and putting together the Fest. You can never say thank you enough to Tony if you are a fan of the Fest, because, my God, does he have to get a lot set up, a lot of pins set up to be knocked down for that fucking thing. Oh, oh, for sure. So, yeah, again, thank you to Tony on, on my behalf as well. And thank you to the Fest family. That includes all the boys and girls in the locker room. Everyone who's working their ass off to tell a good story, to put on a sporting exhibition, to, you know, literally risk their necks and their lives to entertain us all. Thanks to them. Thanks to the Fest family, those familiar faces 
that fill out that first row behind the floor tape. To all the people that showed up at Fest, to all of our dear listeners that showed up on Saturday to see us at the Hippodrome, to those that came and did speak to us on Sunday at Fest Wrestling We Are Family, thanks to everybody that was such a big, big part of this wonderful uh, happening. Yeah, it certainly was happening, folks. We enjoyed ourselves at Fest. We can't wait until next year. It can't come fast enough. No, it can't. Now, now, now we're in it for life. I mean, almost a year ago, we were just hearing about Fest from Effie, and then the next time we're, we're fucking at the Fest. Now, that's that's pretty insane. It's come full circle. It has. This is it, folks. This is our last episode. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. It's not. It's, it's not. It's our retirement episode. No, like Effie's like Effie's retirement tour. Uh, yeah, this is our ne- this is our last episode until the next episode next week. And uh, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed our coverage of Fest. We are family. It's one thing to talk about it. Another thing to experience it. If you didn't experience it, it's okay. You'll get the next best thing eventually. Fest Wrestling will release it on YouTube with that wonderful commentary from Rich Bokini and Max Gregg, friends of the show, I might add. Um, yeah, were you at Fest? Are you a wrestler who was at Fest? Did you agree? Did you disagree with our commentary? Let us know. How can you let us know? There's a lot of ways to let us know. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R E F N S H O W P O D C A S T. Find us on Facebook, like, share. All that fun stuff. You want to email us, you can do that. The whole ref and show at gmail.com. T H E W H O L E. R E F N S H O W at gmail.com. Or. Or you can find us on Instagram. The whole ref and show is our name. T H E W H O L E. R E F N S H O W. The whole ref and show. Check out our pretty pictures. Oh. Our fun and timely pictures. Lots of pictures from Fest. I'm still putting them up. So keep an eye out all week. They're, they're going to keep popping up there. Some really excellent snapshots that I was able to take when you have such a wonderful vantage point as front row. Uh, it's easy to get some really cool shots. So check those out. Leave us your thoughts on those. Click us. Give us a little heart. Fill up our swords like Link. And uh, we uh, we dig it. We can't not make a video game reference. And that is it for us here on The Whole Ref and Show. The only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle once more. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we'll see you next week when we come out of retirement for our next episode, guys. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.